He looked like a guy with a stick up his butt. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, July 7, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 319er. This is No Agenda. Combating mass mind control from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center, Gitmo Nation West, in the People's Republic of Southern California, which I will soon say adios mofos. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where we've got the fireworks if you missed them on the 4th, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. <laughs> I got me a bell now, too. Oh, you did? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> a sound engineer actually said, hey, man, I don't know if you or John is playing that clip of that bell. It sounds really crappy. Let me give you a high quality version. I'm like, Dude, it's a real bell. <laughs> I don't know. But, so he sent me a high quality ding. Yeah, but, yours is a my, my bell sitting on the desk over here. If I put it closer to the microphone like this and tapped it, it would probably be more to his. Hey, light. listen to that. We, we have like a, a different tones. Hit yours. Mine's a D. So, um, hey, how you doing? We want to uh, mention uh, right off. Hey, how you doing? Uh, hello, uh, Adam. <laughs> how, uh, how, how about an in the morning? How about an in the morning? In everybody? the morning. Hey. But we do have a ba- one bad a note uh, that we want to mention. One of our members of the No Agenda family passed away on on, on the fourth of July. Uh, Bubba Martin, who uh, was our first. Uh, Posted the early no agenda shows with ex- with copious notes on everything we talked about, and those shows are still uh, as posts or classics. Yeah, because uh, we've never done that since. Yeah, because he fell ill with something we don't know what it was. He would he, never tell never us. Talked about it. I've chatted no. with him, and it no. didn't help. And he finally, uh, unfortunately, uh, and you can go to if you have condolences, please go to the uh, dvorak dot org slash cage match. Where he was one of the co-moderators. Uh, yeah. It's a um, very sad day. I, I know he was sick, and he would drop out of the picture for months at a time. And he'd come back and say, hey, I almost died, but I'm back. Yeah, he'd do, it was very, <laughs> he, he, he would do that all the time. It. It. And he'd always say that. He said, yeah, I just about I almost died this time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. He would never tell us what the deal was. No. Uh, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss crazy old Bubba. Yeah, well... How does that feel? Does it does it get easier to to miss people as you get older? Does it does it like get like oh well you know whatever? Are you just waiting for your? I, I think obit? it's always the same. I think once you realize that this is going to happen to people, uh, it's just it's. Uh, I think it's a steady state. Personally, I've got. Uh, I've got get, it doesn't seem to get it worse oh, or better. Oh boy! Oh boy! The new Skype is doing great. Hello. Yeah. See, I knew it. Hello. Hello. I mean, you lose oh, John, me? John. Oh, yeah, I lost you completely. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's the new oh, Skype. Anyway, was... Yeah, Microsoft. Now hold anyway, on, hold on. Just, no, 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 no. Hold on, does... John, John. Hold on. We we got to reinitiate uh, contact because you're not hearing what I'm saying. There's a huge delay. I'm going to call you right back. I'm hearing everything you say. Yeah, but you're hearing me 15 seconds late. Oh. Ooh, hold on. Uh, just leave it to professionals, okay? Uh, let's try it again. Oh, now how, now how do I figure out this damn Skype interface? Oh, my goodness. What? Call this person? No, I don't want to call this person. Oh. I don't know how to make it work. 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> the new Skype interface. It says call phone. No, call Skype. Oh, I what I can't. There we go. Oh my god. You there? Only Baranka. You know they've changed the interface where I couldn't even figure out how to call you. Wow. Yeah, it said call phone. And I like call the phone, it pops up a box and says, "What's his number?" No, no, I want to call you on Skype. You got to hit a drop down now. They're like forcing you to make phone calls. Oh. This is yeah, this is not good. That's not good. All right, so I'm sorry. Continue about Bubba. Well, I was saying that it doesn't get easier, it doesn't get harder, it doesn't really change that much. It's just it's just a, I I think people dying is highly annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one <laughs> Yeah. yeah let me and it's really, you know, it's a shame because, you know, Bubba was it, it just, he was a very big contributor to a lot of stuff that we yeah. did early on in a lot. Of, and that cage match, which uh, uh, he was a big part of, is um, hopefully uh, continue on. We've got to Harris in there who, who does, uh, has picked up the slack. Anyway, and in the morning to all the human resources uh, in the chat room, uh, charged up and ready to go just the way the government loves them as we are uh, broadcasting live today. Uh, as per usual, every Sunday and Thursday at noagendastream.com. Uh, we got a chat room, noagendachat.net. And uh, yeah, so rest in peace, uh, Bubba. You will be missed. So, Johnny Boy, I, I'm, uh, I think we're in big, big trouble in uh, the United States of Gitmo Nation. Uh, something happened this week, which really um, disturbed me deeply. Did you notice anything? Well, there's a bunch of stuff that happened, <laughs> uh, which I have my own take on. I mean, of course, the distraction, there's two distractions of the week. One in Gitmo Nation uh, East. Yeah. And uh, which is the uh, phone, cell phone, phone hacking. Hack. Yeah. And then the one on our uh, side of the uh, water is the uh, uh, Casey Anthony uh, court case, which seems to have chewed up everybody's time. Well, that's the one I want to talk about briefly, because uh, now we've ident- we identified uh, a new meme. And uh, by the way, this is the kind of thing I believe that they that the drinking club, the Bilderberg group probably discusses when they're all hanging out. So I have a feeling that during their last meeting or maybe the one before they all sat down and said, you know what? It's time to get rid of that stupid constitution. This is annoying, and it's in our way. And we've been noticing this anti-constitution meme. I think we first picked up on it when uh, that Farik uh, GPS uh, CNN dude, the Pakistani-American, I still want to see his green card, um, you know, started basically saying, well, it was written in a dark, dank, dusty room, and, uh, you, know, it was a, you know, they couldn't imagine terrorists. So this guy is still all over the place. But with this yeah, case. They didn't know anything about global warming. Yeah, of course not. So with this. Um, and don't forget the Time Magazine cover the Time story. Magazine cover story with the Constitution actually shredded at the bottom. So here's what's happened. For those of you who don't know, this Casey Anthony, if you're not in the United States of Gitmo Nation, you probably don't know about it or only heard about it briefly. It's been going on for three years. Very short, um, a little girl dies, and uh, as it turns out, she drowned in the swimming pool. Her mom, very young mother, uh, tried to cover it up, came up with all kinds of scenarios. And there's a three, and she, you know, she's been in, in incarcerated for this three year trial. And by the way, this has been the almost the sole ratings driver for headline news, uh, particularly Nancy Grace, 
Yeah, and it also became a, a ratings driver for uh, Anderson Cooper yeah. and CNN and a lot of other stations, and MSNBC also got in on it. And so, of course, what happens is, you know, we've had all these, you know, so-called lawyers, some of them actually used to be lawyers or were lawyers or whatever, who are television talking heads. And they've been uh, just presenting all the evidence and how this is you know, horrible and she killed her daughter and she's a horrible person. She killed her daughter so that she could go out and party. And, and it's become an obsession over the past three years for the unawakened human resources here in, uh, in Gitmo Nation. So what happens is uh, after 33 days of trial, could you throw it in my face, please, Bilderberg? Thank you. Uh, the jury basically acquits her and says, you know what? She's not guilty. Uh, she is guilty of lying to the police, um, which uh, is she's a pathological liar. She was, she was believed she was abused as a child and is kind of right. screwed up. Right. Uh, so there's a there's a lot going on there, but a, now this is this is the important part. A jury of her peers. This is the way that this is. I would say is and is this the what? Which amendment is the um, the jury of your peers, John? Is that uh, fourth I fourth I amendment? It's I think not amendments in the. I think it's, it's, in, in, the it's in the Constitution, right? Um, and and by the way, I have uh, been in courts in other countries, and and I've always gone like what. Some douchebag judge is going to determine? No, no, no. That's not the, where's my jury of my peers? They go like, hey, son, you're not in America, son. You're here in the lowlands where the professional judges determine what's going to happen. So the way it's supposed to work is you get a jury of your peers, and uh, if they believe that you're guilty, you are innocent until your guilt has been proven uh, beyond a reasonable doubt, which I think is a pretty good system. Now, of course, it's been manipulated. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, the jury selection process is very specific. And, of course, no system where you're judging anybody can ever work 100% of the time. But from personal experience, I'll tell you, I'd much rather have a jury of my peers, 12 of them, who are going to determine my fate versus a professional judge. And there's a whole reason behind that. But what has happened is because the and I just have to say the slaves here had been so indoctrinated by Nancy Grace, by Anderson Pooper, by all of these uh, talking heads, that they are outraged that the jury said, you know what, we've looked at all the evidence, uh, we're a jury of peers, we're you know just uh, doing our job. Yeah, they, they didn't have any anything. There was no evidence. That was the problem. But, the but, way but, I but, but let me just finish. This is really important. Because what is now going on is all across the media, mainstream, people are freaking out and saying two things. One, this is ridiculous, it's horrible, this can't be, and they're actually calling now for professional jurors. This is a pure attack on the American Constitution and the way the justice system works here. Let me give an example. This is uh, from St. Louis. There's some douchebag DJ, morning DJ, called Cornbread, <laughs> if you can believe it. And they keep cutting the, from a television news morning show. They keep cutting back to this guy. And this is the kind of stuff 
that that is being propagated. Cornbread. Good morning. I've never seen the radio show so emotionally charged, and I'm trying to figure out what is the emotional connection. Why are people so concerned about this case? And I think it's just we don't like when there's unfairness out there. We don't like when something's been hijacked. And I think a lot of people are thinking that that might be the problem with our supposedly the best justice system in the world. Hi. Good morning, Cornbread. Our justice system has failed this little girl. If the mom didn't do it, then who did it? And are they going to actually try and go after somebody? When I heard the verdict, I just actually started crying yesterday because it just breaks my heart. Like you said, Monkey could figure this one out. You know, go on Facebook because what people are saying on Facebook, some of the language actually frightens me a little bit of how upset people are about this verdict. Yes, sir. Good morning, Mr. Cornbread. Morning. Sometimes I wonder about the justice system. All the evidence shown against that little girl was right there in the trunk. Are they stuck on stupid, sir? I totally agree. Another O.J. Simpson. Duh! I love your show on uh, Channel Five here. As I love your show on Channel 5. Everywhere you look, it's one side or the other. This guy thinks a little different. Hey, Cornbread, you got my blood boiling this morning real quick. Were you guys in the courtroom? Apparently the jury didn't feel that they proved their case. Innocent until we were proven guilty in this country. Uh, I'm a reasonable man. I mean, anybody with common sense, if there's chloroform in your trunk, why? That's evidence. If there's a bag right, and duct okay. tape that came from your house in the woods with the little Almost girl, over. that's evidence. If you don't say something about your child for 30 days, is there a parent among us that when our kid is missing so the point the is guys a demo they, this cornbread guy for one thing they never that 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 whole core from in the trunk thing turned out to be a red herring and it was never proven this guy is a, is a douchebag mm-hmm. i don't think he has any influence whatsoever except a bunch of with morons that listen to his show I'm in total disagreement with you. I don't think there's any movement at all going oh, on. I think oh, it's just the opposite. Oh, no, 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 John. You, it is, every, everybody is outraged, and they are now in this. Just go ahead and Google right now, consult the Book of Knowledge, should we have a professional juror system? This is the meme that is now being injected, and put it in the book. For I'll even say by Sunday, you're seeing this everywhere. Anderson Pooper will do it. Everyone's going to be, should we have professional jurors now that justice has failed this dead child? Watch. Did I lose you? I know. I'm writing it in the book. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) This, uh... This is, this is a, my, this is... And I'll tell you why I say this. Two things. One, I mean, yeah, I'm sure all these these lunatics out there that listen to Nancy Grace and take it as gospel are, are all into this. But the New York Times is not into this at all. They, if they, they had one very objective story about the case, and that was all they ran. It was on the front page yesterday or the day before. And then if you listen to the right-wing talkers who have much more influence than these morning chat guys in terms of, like, political movements, in terms of political action, and you, it starts off with Sean Hannity, who is probably the most womanly of all these guys, and he out and out says that this case was a, a ridiculous. The, the woman was was not guilty. They, they had no case against her. There was no evidence. And he went out. He spent a whole show on it and then did it again on television. And all the other right wingers did the same thing. And they've gone back to politics, bashing Obama mostly, to get back on the real track of things. This is a huge distraction. And at least these guys realized it. Okay. Well, uh, we uh, can agree to disagree. And uh, you've written it down in the book. And I guarantee you this is another subtle attack on the Constitution. Well, I'm not saying it's not an attack, but this is this is ongoing, and I and I have a couple of clips that you know sh- have Clinton basically kind of attacking things. Uh, Bill, 
Uh, and, uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought this story was a uh, was a, and I think it'll be forgotten in about two or three weeks. Which one is this on the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that in a little while. Uh, I think in two or three weeks this will be a forgotten story, especially when it comes when I think the real point. If I was going to be arguing about the whole case, I would say this is a classic example of why we need a jury system because. This was a, a another case, especially in Florida. This happens all the time, where you have prosecutors that are that are overstepping their authority and going for the kill. They went out of their way to f- try to find a pre. They accused her of premeditated murder. John, words, I, I, I don't. I, I think it's unnecessary for us to debate the the legality of the trial. I don't care. About the trial, I don't care about her. I cared enough about it to spend the first fifteen minutes. No, on I it. know, what, dude. What are you talking about? I do not care. I, what I care about is that people are now calling for a change in the way the justice system works. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, not, well, I, they've been doing that forever. I mean, I, I don't, th- I don't think this is a new thing, and I don't think it's going to get anywhere. I should I hope think not. You're right, though. I mean, this is a case of just trying to destroy. I think destroying the Constitution is different than this. I think the real action when it comes to destroying the Constitution is to slip in a bunch of non-legal stuff about global warming. This is what they're doing in Iceland. I don't just look at the Iceland model. They want to put in stuff about social justice, about global warming, and all these other things in the Constitution in Iceland. Mm-hmm. You want to hear and, uh, Fareed? I don't want to. Oh, yeah, I don't, but play him. Welcome back. Still with us, Fried Zakari and Simon Sharma. So the Tea Party's invocation of the Constitution, is it ahistorical? Does it, does it misinterpret at its essence what this Constitution has been for the entirety of our nation's history? Well, I think that they're right to recognize that America is unique and that Hold on it has... a second. Stop. Why, why are they asking him? <laughs> and it's get worse because the guy is sitting with Farik. That's you know who that is, right? That's what's his Spitzer. Yeah, the Spitzer who just and got who way, just got canceled. Spitzer's been taken off the air, as predicted. As predicted, and Pooper's next. Yeah, no, it's it gets, it's worse. They're talking to Farik and some English dude, some Brit is on the show talking about the Constitution, and he. Uh, it, you got you got to hear it. As it at its core not a blood and soil nationalism but a document a document about political ideas and we should cherish them and we should debate them but where they're wrong i think is in thinking that it points in any one simple monolithic direction it really is this brief document that allows you to fill in the blanks over the over the you know the last 222 years i'm sorry john in case you didn't know the constitution is just it's just a brief document that lets you fill in the blanks <laughs> Yeah, so are the Ten Commandments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ooh, thank you. They've been in business for a couple of uh, thousand years. Hold on. Years. Let's, hey, I got an idea. Let's rewrite yeah. the Ten Commandments. Yeah, good idea. I like that. Good one. That that I should like be it, a... You know, we could get global warming in there. That should be a Ten command, uh, a, a Talking Points uh, email. When yeah, we need the global warming. The thou shalt not pollute the earth. Yeah. Thou shalt uh-huh. not bear false witness or covet thy neighbor's donkey. Or is it wife? I can't remember. What's the difference? Yeah, so this is... Don't play, play. I want to hear more of this. Filled with disagreements from the founding fathers onward. And so the idea that you can magically say 
the Constitution says this, and it, and it, you know, people keep saying, well, what would Madison have said about modern drug policy? Well, what would Washington? I mean, who knows? They, 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 the world they knew was so different. What do you mean? They all smoked dope back then. It was not that different. Different yeah. was it? <laughs> yeah, apparently, they didn't very have high speed rail. <laughs> of course, you have to. You have to, you know, whether you call it modernize it or interpret it. Listen to the Brit guy. Differently, of course you have to do it. There is one very good thing, I think, that could happen out of the Tea Party obsession with the Constitution. I agree with Fareed that when we're talking about what the framers had in mind, we're talking about an extremely polarized debate amongst them. The good thing that could happen would be, I think, since we are now faced with the moment in American history when there's radical polarization, there are two halves of the country who have... Uh, unutterably, incommensurably different views. See, that, what a dick. That's so not true. That's what they want for us to be completely opposed and hate your neighbor. But it's not true. Uh, people aren't only Democrat or Republican or red or blue. There's all, everyone has, everyone, there's gray. About what the federal government should be. Let us have, not, not literally a constitutional convention. Uh-huh. Let us have uh. a great convention of debate. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that. They're trying to get rid of it. Now. No, I know they are. This is, a, this is a, a, what's going on. That, here's one more important thing from uh, President Obama's tweet up, which we have to, oh, which we okay. have to talk stop, about. Stop for a minute. You watched it, right? I watched it, and I tracked all of the tweeters in real time. Can we just can we back into it with one of the questions that relates yes, to the... Yes, but, but before we do, I want to make, make sure that people go check out a video or a picture of it so you can visualize what it looked like on stage. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, Jack Dorsey, uh, the one of the co-founders of Twitter, with uh, a jacket, a suit in a suit, jacket too tight, uh, with a, I think it was a broom handle up his ass. He, the guy yes. was like, Ugh! and he was sitting up, uh, uh, at ninety degrees to the camera, so he was a complete profile the whole time, and he was stiff, yeah. and he had his back arched, and he wasn't pushed against the back of the chair, and he was just, he looked like a guy with a stick up his butt. <laughs> That's kind of what I said. So uh, I, I want to back into this, but one of the questions was something that we've discussed on the show is the uh, this 14th Amendment, which will not work. But there's a big, uh, a reasonably big call out there for uh, the president to invoke the 14th Amendment, which means uh, we uh, maintain the full faith and credit of these United States of America and therefore need to raise the debt ceiling. Part of that uh, charade, that uh, WrestleMania American Idol uh, show that's going on right now, whether or not we're going to raise the debt li- limit ceiling or not. So this question comes up, and the president propagates the anti-constitution meme. Specifically the debt ceiling. Right. And this is formulated in our next question from Renegade Nerd out of Atlanta. Uh, Mr. President, will you issue an executive order to raise the debt ceiling pursuant to Section 4 of the 14th Amendment? Can I just say, Renegade Nerd, you know, uh, that picture uh, is... Uh, Captures it all there. Dex <laughs> uh, has got his head, hand over there. He's looking kind of confused. Um, it, it, uh, let me... You know, as quickly as I can, describe what's at stake with respect to the debt ceiling. Uh, historically, the United States, whenever it has uh, 
a deficit. It finances that deficit uh, through the, the, the sale of treasuries. Uh, and uh, this is a very common practice uh, over the, our lifetimes. Typically, the government's always running a modest deficit. And Congress is modest. supposed to yeah, listen to this. vote on the amount modest. of debt that... <laughs> You, you want to stop at the modest, or what do you want to do? I'm just saying, my God, what is he kidding? <laughs> this is modest. It, what's 14 trillion amongst friends? Uh, but, but it gets better. Out of debt that Treasury can essentially issue. Uh, it's a pretty you know, esoteric uh, piece of business. No, it's esoteric. Like you don't need to understand it, slave. But he gets it. Don't worry about it. It's esoteric. Typically, has not been uh, something that uh, created a lot of uh, controversy. Uh, what's happening now is, is that Congress is suggesting we may not vote to raise the debt ceiling. If we do not, then the Treasury will run out of money. It will not be able to pay the bills that are owing, and potentially the entire world capital markets could decide, you know what, the full faith and credit of the United States doesn't mean anything. Uh, and so our credit could be downgraded, interest rates could go drastically up, and it could cause a whole new uh, spiral into a second recession or worse. So this is something that we shouldn't be toying with. What Dexter's question referred to was there are some people who say that under the Constitution, uh, it's unconstitutional for Congress not to uh, allow Treasury to pay its bills uh, and are suggesting that this should be challenged under the Constitution. Uh, I don't think we should even get to the constitutional issue. Congress <laughs> has a responsibility to make sure we pay our bills. Uh, we've always paid them in the past. The notion that the U.S. is going to default on its debt uh, is just irresponsible. And my expectation is, is that over the next uh, week to two weeks that Congress working with the White House, comes up with a deal that solves our deficit, solves our debt problems, and makes sure that uh, our full faith and credit is protected. So he says he doesn't need, even need to go there. A constitutional law professor who just says, no, oh, we don't need to go there. And I, th I understand. He does not, at any point, does he want to have to deal with the Constitution at all. Otherwise, he'd have to deal with the Constitution on Libya uh, and many other issues. So I, I think it's a part of a, a very large scheme, and all everything points to it. Uh, no, I'm in total agreement with there's a scheme afoot to uh, create a uh, to get rid of the Constitution. You want to have a laugh? You want to have some laughs for this uh, this this tweeter thing? There was so many funny things in it. Did I wish I was uh, you know unfortunately I was doing the X3. Yeah. People can go check it out x3show.mebio.com. So I didn't get to record anything, so I was hoping you'd get a few clips that oh. I knew there was going to be some... But, you know, it was, again, when I watched it, I watched the beginning, it's, a, you know, a question comes in, they didn't play any of the no agenda questions. <laughs> I wonder why. This is so incredibly surprising. And and, they, and this guy with the stick up his butt would ask this, the lamest, just standard stock questions that you see all the time, and then Obama would go off on a 10-minute blah, 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 blah. He never stops talking. He's really good at stalling time. The number of questions, they, there were yes and no questions he'd start yeah. yakking away on.
So I recorded like, I recorded some of the funny bits. Uh, the opening I thought was was fantastic. And by the way, uh, uh, in the show notes at three one nine er dot na show notes dot com. Um, I, I, every, every single person who tweeted a question, I, uh, immediately went to their tweeter page and, uh, I, uh, looked at who they were. A lot of these were, you know, created like on the same day. There was one person who was actually sitting in the audience there whose question was answered. And I'd say about 55% of the tweeter questions that were posed were from journalists, and uh, there's a couple of different organizations, and and well, you have to hear the the set. The opening setup is kind of what got me suspicious right from the start, as if we didn't know this was a Ministry of Truth operation. Good afternoon, and welcome. This is the guy with the stick up his butt to the White House. I am Jack Dorsey from Twitter. What up? Through more than 200 million tweets per day, people around the world use Twitter to instantly connect to what's most meaningful to them. In every country, Uh, Egypt Egypt. and Japan, Mm -hmm. the UK Mm -hmm. and the United States, much of this conversation is made up of everyday people engaging in spirited debate. What is this, an advertisement? Oh, it gets better. Listen to what he's advertising. Sure, of their countries. Our partners at Salesforce Radiant 6. Salesforce Radiant 6. Any idea what that is? No. No, oh, Salesforce Radiant 6, a very, very cool uh, uh, outfit. They um, analyze the tweeters. And, uh, of course, you know, I immediately was like, oh, oh wow, uh, let me go check out this company. Uh, Salesforce Radiant 6 has uh, a special feature called listening integration. With features developed on their platform <coughs> API, and social metrics framework for integrating third-party data, Radiant 6 provides a next-generation listening platform that includes the integration of social media monitoring and analysis. <laughs> this is the CIA, is what this is. So the, so the CIA... Uh, How come we're not running this company? I know, because we're stupid. <laughs> we're watching C-SPAN. Studied more than a million tweets discussing our nation's politics over the recent weeks. And they found that America's financial security to be one of the most actively talked about topics on Twitter. Twitter. They further found that President Obama's name comes up in more than half of these conversations. And so today, this vibrant discussion comes here to the... By the way, he didn't get a teleprompter. He had to read it off of uh, notes written on a small piece of paper on his palm, which uh, is like, you know, no teleprompter for you. White House. And you get to ask the questions. To participate... Just open your web browser and go to askobama.twitter.com. Neither now. the president or I know the questions that will be asked today. Uh. Now, now, now that's, that's what's interesting. Because uh, during these questions, he continuously would say this. So 10% of our questions now are about education. Yeah. And this one was surfaced from our curator in California. By- the curator. They had uh, these curators. They're the guys, yeah, they're the Include into yeah. what questions they should be accepting. Exactly. And, and they feed them in. So the whole concept of we are just a big mystery. Uh, no idea. Behind a soundproof booth. <laughs> with the headphones on, with loud rock music. I have no idea. I don't know what's coming next. Yeah, curators. I and mean, you see these curators that are like from the Truman uh, organization. Was the Truman, what is it called? The, um, ah, it's the Truman something or other. I don't know. Uh, the Truman Project, which is a uh, intelligence recruitment organization 
the Truman Project. The, the questions from a guy from the Truman Project got answered. Like, okay. That decision is driven entirely by the Twitter users. Yeah, so not by curators, but entirely by the Twitter users. Lie, Dorsey. And so let's get the conversation started. And why, why was there no no agenda question if that's true? Because it's a lie. Now, listen to the president. He comes out. <laughs> I've been practicing this. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. How are you doing? Good to see you. Nice to meet you. How are you? Good to see you. How are you? Good to see you. Hi. How are you? Good to see you. Nice to see you. How are you? Good. Hey. How are you? Nice to see you. He's a, he's a programmed. How are you? Nice to see you. Hey, how are you? Nice to see you. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. Hey, good to see you. How are you? Nice to see you. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, everybody. Now listen to Dorsey. Dorsey does a classic. First of all, everybody can sit down. Hey, how are you? Nice to see you. Easier to tweet from a seated position. And I understand you want to start the conversation off with a tweet of yourself. A tweeter! He said it! I Did s- he say tweeter? <laughs> he said tweeter! <laughs> I fell off my chair. Listen. Off with a tweet of yourself. <laughs> he messes it up because he, he wants to... He tweeter? <laughs> the, the co-founder. He runs the place and he knows it's tweet. And you can always follow me on Twitter. <laughs> off with a tweet of yourself. <laughs> I gotta hear it again. Off with the tweet of yourself. He says tweeter. I, I, I like really tweeter. But then Obama, our president, of course, uh, you know, not to be upstaged, came out with this gem. We do have to make sure that there are computers in a computer age inside classrooms, and that they work, and that there's internets. <laughs> internets. <laughs> George, what is what is this code? What are we missing here? Internets? He said internets. He said internets. He didn't say internets. He said internets. But it, what, so what happens is he catches himself. I think someone is in the uh, in his earpiece. It's not internets. And he corrects himself, but he kind of like I know he, I can see I can almost see his brain going. Oh crap. Curry and Dvorak are going to play that one yeah, over and over Curry. again. He's thinking he's now sounding like George Bush. George <laughs> Bush is make sure the listen, listen. Computers in a computer age inside classrooms and that they work and that there's internets uh, that are actually, con- uh, there, there are internet connections that actually. <laughs> <laughs> we need some internets, everybody. We need some internets. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and just a couple of crazy funny ones. I got two more. Uh, you know, so of course, uh, how do we, re- we got to reduce uh, spending. And, uh, but we can't reduce the military. You can't do that, according to the president. Uh, but. Oops. We have to do all of this in a fairly gradual way. Uh, we can't simply lop off 25% off the defense budget overnight. We simply can't do that. You can't lop off. Twi- well, he's going to explain. Um, we have to think about uh, all the obligations we have to our current troops who are in the field and making sure they're properly equipped and safe. <sighs> That's that really bothered me. You know, it's because of the troops in the field. It's not because of the uh, hundreds of billions of dollars of government contracts with the Raytheon and all these death making companies and. All the stuff that we spare parts being made for stuff we don't even use anymore. No, no, it's for the troops in the field. 
We've got to make sure that we are meeting our commitments for those veterans who are coming home. Oh, yeah. It's for the people whose, whose uh, limbs got blown off. That's why we can't just lop it off. Uh, we've got to make sure that uh, in some cases we've got outdated equipment that needs to be replaced. <laughs> Uh, and so I'm committed to reducing the defense budget, but as Commander-in-Chief, uh, one of the things that we have to do is make sure that we do it in a thoughtful way uh, that's guided by our uh, security and our, uh, and our strategic needs. Uh, and I think we can accomplish that. And the nice thing about the defense budget is it's so big, it's so huge. <laughs> you, again, you see him go, uh, 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 oh, what am I? I shouldn't be saying that. Uh, 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 oh, I shouldn't be saying so big. Because it is. It's, it's, it's a, what is it? What is defense budget, John? $800 million a year? Eight, nine, billion, 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 billion. Hello. I'm sorry, billions. Almost. It's probably a trillion. And he goes, so big, so huge. And then someone's in his ear. He's like, oh, oh I got to tone that down. That, you know, uh, one percent reduction is the equivalent of the education budget. Not, not. I'm exaggerating. Ah! That I'm like, wow. One percent of the defense budget is the education budget. Does that tell you? It shouldn't be. This is like a huge, huge uh, gaff. Huge the, the, gaff. The last one is seven hundred twelve billion. Yeah, that's just of what they report. Yeah, right. Not including all of the, the under the table weird stuff that goes to the the all the intelligence agencies, yeah. which has got to be monstrous. No, I'm sorry. Defense spending is eight eighty one. Every time you look eight ninety five. It's more. It's more. It's more. <laughs> and, he, and, and, and here was the big lie. It was it was it was kind of like a lie, but it wasn't a lie. Technically, it wasn't a lie. But bothersome. By the way, people who work in the White House, they've had their pay frozen since I came in, our, our, our high-wage folks. Um, so they haven't had a, had a raise uh, in, in two and a half years, and that's appropriate because a lot of ordinary folks out there haven't either. In fact, they've seen their pay cut in some What do you need a big cases. pay day for when, you're, when like, your wife has a $1 million budget for personal assistance? Well, he's saying and she has access to the 747. She flies all over the world. She's not taking it. It's not out of pocket. Well, he's talking about people uh, yeah, I know. He's in the White House. About the staff. But it's not true. It's not true. Now, technically, people uh, had a pay freeze. So what they did is they took people like Matthew Vogel and they gave him a different title. So he moved from fifty nine thousand dollars in two thousand ten to one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. There's a list here which actually uh, I give Gawker credit for this. They tracked it all down, and this is it's so yeah, no one got a pay raise. But what happened is they got new titles. Oh well, you, you know, it's like making someone a VP. Yeah, they got them all promoted. Yeah, and and so most of these people have between fifty and seventy percent pay increases. Uh, Michael Gottlieb. Stop, quit his post of special assistant and associate counsel and then took the job again and came back in and got 20% increase. It went from 114000 to $130,000. My God. So this is basically the president just lying. Lying. Well, he's technically he's not because no one got an increase, but they say, well, why don't you just quit and then come back in a month and then you know we'll, we'll hire you back. 21 of the uh, of Obama's staff are making a minimum of $172,000 per year. Ugh. That's a lot of money for uh, civil servants. 
Yeah, well, you ought to see the. Uh, I've got a breakdown of some stuff. It's it's like so ridiculous to get such a rabbit hole of information that I haven't brought on the show yet, which is just mind-boggling wastes of money that all in Washington. I mean, it's like you want to cut the budget, just fire all these bureaucrats that don't really do anything. Because <laughs> you can't lop off the defense budget, you know, because uh, it's so huge, it's so big, it's so massive. Uh, it's uh, you know, we ha- apparently the economy has to completely tank, and we have to go into an out and out depression before mm-hmm. we get rid of these these essentially people that don't do anything, and they get paid a lot of money for not doing anything. In the That's exactly right. So anyway, That's a, yeah, exactly. yeah. So it's all good. <clears throat> Let's get some executive producers out of the way while we're... Well, let's not just get them out of the way. Let's thank them profusely for their... Uh, well, let's thank them profusely. Okay. <laughs> let's thank uh, someone anonymously right off the bat. Yeah, we got an anonymous uh, donor in, uh, out of Mill Valley. Just doesn't want to be mentioned. He's 33333. I, I'm going to have to mention him anyway. It's uh, Steven Spielberg, as a matter of fact, <laughs> who has... Uh, <laughs> right, right. Actually, Spielberg doesn't live in Mill Valley. That's... Uh, in, uh, and that's Mr. Anonymous. Ian Larson, Auckland, New Zealand, writes in uh, after a $333.33 donation. In the morning, John and Adam and all the other slaves listening, I hope you find my donation somehow got to you from the evil elites at PayPal. Uh, can you uh, make it a credit for the show on July 14th? Is this what we are on today? No, we're on No, it was, this is a uh, a week early. Good work. Okay, well, we'll move it up. Yeah. Uh, we'll give him a. We'll, we're not going to. Okay, we will not credit you as executive producer on today's show. We'll do it on the fourteenth. Okay. Uh, his magic numbers one uh, is ma- my magic number one 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 birthday. I will be forty seven years young. Oh, that's right, because he did the calculation mm-hmm. uh, on Bastille Day and showed three twenty one. I want to make this donation as a first step toward a posthumous knighthood for my son Michael, oh. and make a karma request for all the producers, listeners out there that have lost friends, family to suicide. Ugh. Oh my goodness. Uh, so, it's a depressing show. You got two. We were talking. Okay. So we'll, anyway, do, we'll do this a, again next week. <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll, we'll move it forward. Uh, the special goodness in Canyon Lake, California, three thirty three thirty three. Darren Phillips in Flagstaff Hill, South Australia, uh, three nineteen in the morning. John and Adam just started listening to your show a couple weeks ago and love it as you espouse value for value. Please accept this donation of three hundred nineteen dollars. Not sure if this gets me into the three nineteen club. Yeah. If it does. Doesn't I'll rectify it next time I donate. Probably show three two one. A lot of people are in on three two one. Uh, can you please de-douche me and hit us up with some karma? Give him a double. All right, I'm happy to do that. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. Justin Seitz in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, three nineteen had to donate. Since you, these are both three members of the three nineteen club. Had to donate since you finally got my name right last time. You don't uh, last time you donated. Glad to hear that you're ditching California. He's talking to you, Adam. Yeah, an avid listener to the Adam Carolla podcast. Offer all his rants about the LAPD screwing the ci- screwing the citizens makes me never want to visit. And you shouldn't. Pittsburgh, no, Pennsylvania, is no where reason. Justin's located. And by the way, San Francisco is just as bad. Don't go there either. Yeah, that we're um, on um, Monday. We're uh, doing a, a day trip to. Uh, Vegas, you look at some real estate. Oh, as i.e. rental homes. <laughs> well, there should be a lot of deals there. Oh, uh, John, it's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable what for the same amount we're paying here. You know, we can have like an extra. We have two bedrooms. We can have like a third bedroom and 
uh, a studio for uh, you know, now I'm in my and in, a in pool. A, yeah, and uh, right now I'm in a corner, you know, of a, of a little room in the back. Well, uh, it sounds great though, Adam. The way you've set it up. What do you mean? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I don't understand. Jeffrey Stark, Alexandria, Virginia, in the morning, John Adam. July 7th is not only a no agenda show day, but my 25th birthday. Please make a note. He's, I don't see him on the list. No. Uh, as such, I've decided to donate $10 for every year I've been alive. All right. Hmm. That's not a bad idea. Could you please give me a birthday shout out and a shout of karma? I'm headed up the mountains of Pennsylvania for a birthday weekend with my friends who will undoubtedly get drunk and start hitting them in the mouth with some truths. <laughs> Yay. He needs a karma shot. Yeah, we'll hand him that one. You've got karma. For $250, Matthew Guthrie, Mount Eliza, Victoria, Australia, 233.33. In the morning, dude, from Gitmo Nation down under, love the show. I currently have two highlights a week, Thursday and Sunday, which make my days as a slave worthwhile. Yay. I would like to donate $200 to the Lindsay Lohan Tweeter Promotion Fund <laughs> and $33.33 for a podcast license. Wouldn't want to be breaking the law by listening to you guys. Could you please pass some karma to my good friend Shane Pasco, who is struggling at the moment with a number of douchebags he's having to deal with at work? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Karma, baby. You've got karma. Matthias Anderson's in... I, I got a bunch of symbols on here from... Copenhagen, Denmark is what it, I believe it is. 222, 222. That would be uh, Matthias. Matthias. Matthias Andersen. Andersen. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Uh, Copenhagen, where they now have borders again. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's about time. <laughs> Felix Schudel, $201.50. He wants a little plug for areweinbusiness.com. Uh, Don O'War. Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Donna War. Uh, I go by Donna War. That's what I got. Donna War, uh, more formally the legendary almighty Donna War, born to live forevermore. Donna War, born to live forevermore. I, I'm sorry I'm not that much of a poet. Please make the podcast license out to Don O'War. O-W-A-R. Been listening to the show for years. I wasn't really ready to donate till John started talking about going to see Blue Cheer back in the day. <laughs> Ain't no cure for the summertime blues. <laughs> so here's my money for rock and roll. Thanks for entertaining me at work while I sit. Blue Cheer, by the way, was one of the first power bands, power trios that I ever saw. They predated Cream. Oh, yeah. And they would blow you back a couple feet if, when they turned on their amps. Yeah. So, where everybody out there listening to the show is under the age of 30, wear ear protection. Anyway, she says, thanks for entertaining me at work. She listens to the show while she's at work in the cubicle as a wage slave. She canceled her cable, and now no agenda is the primary news search source. Sorry. Thanks for keeping me well, so, uh, so well-informed. I enjoy the crack pottery as entertainment. Whether I disagree with you, sometimes it's not a... Is not or not relevant because... Hey, John, how's the meds doing, man? Your, I, your reading I, is like... <laughs> I don't need any real news, political party, or cause-supporting group to tell me what I think. Anyway, thank you. That's $200 from Donna War. Wow. Well, thank you all so much for uh, supporting the program. Uh, as you know, we do not... I, you know, I was... Oh, man, I was in the car the other day. Uh, yesterday, actually. And I, you know, I have to skip around. And I heard I, I, I had no way to record it. NPR literally said, and this is KPCC in Los Angeles. Um, 
Please keep the donations coming because the majority of what keeps us on the air are your foundations. We don't play sponsors' uh, messages from commercial advertisers. And meanwhile, what? yeah, completely. I, and I was like, oh, I wish I could have clipped that. And I went to their site and everything. I couldn't because it's like it's a drop, right? So they don't have that available on the site. I was just blown away by that. You do nothing but play commercial messages from underwriters. Yeah, and they're also now talking about interrupting shows. Because well, you always play them at the beginning and the end. Well, and now they're thinking, well, you know, why don't we play them in the middle, too? Yeah, because, uh, you know, it's underwriting. It's not advertising. Someone, actually, I, I, it's probably not the wrong time to bring it up, but, um, wow, I can't believe I, I thought I saved that. There was an ad for, um, for a salesperson. A salesperson, um, <clears throat> I can probably find it. Uh, for a national public media, and it literally said in the uh, in the job offer, there is no real difference between being a salesperson for commercial media or <laughs> or for public media. Like there's no difference. It's exciting. You're out for the kill, and uh, you're still and you're still going out for the same dollars. It's like literally right there in the ad. I'll find it for the donation segment. It's like wow. So yeah, <laughs> it's a fact. I yeah. mean, we know this. The fact that they keep Telling the public that's not to what it is is ridiculous to me. Why don't they just admit it or give up? Why don't they say, "Look, we 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 get all we we take all the money we can from any source we can get it from. We get it from advertisers, we get it from underwriters, we get it from you. Send us more money. We what we we get more money than anybody does. Let's send more. You know, we don't do that. We don't have any advertisers on this show ever." No. And we never will. It we would never work. Stop doing the show if we have to do that. It, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. We'd be pulled off the air. With our, our, our advertisers would get attacked. It would be all over. It would never work. We wouldn't be able to speak our minds freely. And, of course, that's going to end anyway, eventually, when uh, the licensing comes into play. Yeah, well, that's true. I, I'm predicting that. So, um, <clears throat> uh, we do appreciate you uh, funding uh, this program and uh, making it possible for us to watch hours of boring C-SPAN and, uh, you know, watching hours of guys with stick up their butts asking shill questions. <clears throat> and the place to go do that is... org slash N-A. There are just a few PR announcements I'd like to make. A couple of uh, domain names. Uh, we are now probably up to about 500 independently registered domain names, all pointing to uh, noagendashow.com. Greengovernment.org. Uh, which I think is a good one, is uh, now pointing to noagendashow.com. Uh, we have we don't care about customers.com and monkeys throw poop at me.com. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Bogusnews.tv, which uh, is a throwback to uh, the previous episode, like that. I can't believe the, the following one was available. Drpooper.com, uh, now pointing to noagendashow.com. Dr. Pooper? Dr. Dr. Pooper. <laughs> you got Dr. Pepper, Dr. Pooper. I've been doing that.com, another nice one. The media is owned.com. This is good. Some good stuff here. And this one, I'm, I'm flabbergasted that uh, no one had registered this. Um, we have uh, noagendanighthood.com. No. And phillycrispycream.com. Yeah, uh, we're not going to get sued. <laughs> Uh, and then we have noagendauniversity.com, noagendainstitute.com, and then uh, the blow away of, uh, of the week, askobama.org, now uh, pointing to uh, noagendashow.com. Fantastic. Good job on that one. 
And a quick mention of the No Agenda mobile app for Android. Uh, There'll be a link at the top in the show notes uh, under the PR segment at uh, 319.nashownotes.com. Uh, I think actually in the donation, uh, we got our cut from sales of the No Agenda Mobile. It may not have, I don't think it actually uh, amounted to uh, up to $50. Uh, so it may not, uh, we'll have to pull that forward, but uh, we do appreciate that. It has a couple new features. Listen to the live stream, stream the last 10 episodes. Skip to any point in an episode by tapping a location on the timeline, which is cool. And uh, a glossary section to the to learn the history and meanings of recurring themes and catchphrases. I can't see why anyone would need that. And then uh, <clears throat> one last reminder that, uh, thank you, uh, in one week and one day, uh, Ms. Mickey and I will depart on the No Agenda Hot Pockets 2008 tour, which, of course, is being held conveniently in 2011. Uh, we fly to uh, Virginia. We were picked up by uh, some guy from the Pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> who, will, who will then drive us? Well, a, you'll never be seen again. Uh, he's Who's that guy? Remember that guy we talked about this a couple of years ago? This guy who, who go, decides he has to go to the Pentagon to tell somebody some. All right, and he got shot. Some got horrible killed. story about some corruption in the government, and they killed and him. He's knocking on the door, and they shoot him. <laughs> it's like we don't need to no, know. I think somebody invited him. Yeah, yeah. come on over come to the on Pentagon. Over. Yeah, hey, hey, shoot him. Uh, no, he's a listener, a producer of the show, and he's uh, driving us to uh, Baroness Maggie Vincent of Virginia's home, where we are going to stay overnight. Uh, we're going to do the show. She's, she's in Langley? <laughs> no, she, no, Fredericksburg. Oh, and that's a nice flight by. I've been to that. Beautiful. That's a beautiful little yeah, That's beautiful. And uh, so that's where the uh, the Hot Pockets uh, No Agenda Gitmo Nation Tour RV is all uh, geared up and ready to go. And uh, we're very excited about that. You know, Virginia, especially some parts of Virginia, if you go toward the uh, southern part of the Virginia, they it's it's probably the last bastion of a, a quality pulled pork. Ah, <laughs> uh, I shall uh, I shall make sure that we have some. <laughs> Definitely, I can just see Miss Mickey's face pulled. What? Cute with oh, what? She went, you know what? She's yeah. gonna fall in love with pulled. You're gonna pork. make me eat what? <laughs> you you don't seriously? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, wait. I'm writing it down in the book. Yeah, all right. Write that down. And then... People love pulled pork. Oh, this just came in. News of the world shutting down amid phone hacking scandal. (laughs) Oh, this is very interesting. We can actually talk about that. So anyway... Moneymaker. We thank you all so incredibly much for supporting the program and very excited about the tour. We're looking forward to meeting so many of you out on the road. And uh, we will, of course, uh, be doing the program live. Uh, No interruption, uh, at least if it's up to us. Uh, we'll be trying to uh, uh, acquire proper Wi-Fi for each individual show day. That will determine the most of uh, how we uh, take the trip. But uh, uh, if you have any uh, suggestions, and I, I think we're going to get a lot more invitations and uh, suggestions coming in in, these, in this last week, uh, please send it to Mickey at Curry.com. That's different from MickeyCurry.com, which I don't think is active right now. But anyway, uh, there is one thing you can do, as always, propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Say it loud and proud, everybody. Shut up, slaves. So I've got the story of the year. Hey. Or what I actually predict will be the... uh, This is going to be my prediction for the day. Okay. This is going to develop... 
unless it's suppressed, they're going to try to do everything they can to suppress this information that's already started, by the way, with the New York Times article on the topic. Uh, they're going to try to suppress this, but I think it can catch on. They found a link. Researchers found a link uh, between autism <laughs> and Prozac. Oh, really? So huh. there's an article which I'll send you and you will put in the show notes, which yeah. in the medical news today starts off. The article starts off. They've, 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 new research this week points to a link between the use of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, a type of antidepressant, which, by the way, is sold as more than Prozac. It's also sold as, sold as like a Valium uh, substitute, and there's a lot of other brand names for it, and that's gotten into the – it is the most popular drug in the country, and it's gotten into the women or, or you know, who, women, a lot of women who have problems with pregnancy and everything, or they don't know they're pregnant. They get depressed or they have hormonal problems. They get, they get assigned these, this drug under one name or another, and now they're starting to see there's just enough – documented evidence that the that autism spectrum disorders as they call them it just seems to have some connection to this then they also did in the same apparently in a similar study there was a thing done which is also mentioned in this article which we'll link to in the show notes they did some study on twins the new york times runs the exact same information they bury the prozac part of the story hmm. and just goes on and they start off with the, with the the lesser interesting part of the story, which is a new study of this is the New York Times article I'm reading from. New study implicates environmental factors in autism. Never mentions in the headline Prozac. Uh, I mean, what drug company makes Prozac? They, this, this company spends a lot of money on advertising. This is another reason why we need donations to this show so we can talk about stories like. Wait this, a minute! Wait a minute! So you're telling me that Prozac, a drug which makes you docile and quiet is linked to a disease that basically is when you're docile and quiet. <laughs> this is a big revelation. Yeah, isn't that something? <laughs> what a coincidence. Gee. Uh, something that affects your brain adversely. I think not. <laughs> wow. So the New York Times goes on a new study of twins suggested that environmental factors, including conditions in the womb, may be at least as important as genes in causing autism. Okay, well, at least that's a start. Then they bury the little thing about uh, Prozac at the end of the article. And I don't, And as a New York Times reader now, I can assure you, uh, since I get the paper every day, I've been for almost a month now, uh, I got piles of papers, which I got to throw out. Uh, I can assure you that no one will read that part of the story. No, I well, of course not. But the, 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 it's Pfizer, I think, that makes Prozac. They're one of the largest advertisers in all media. They're not going to go and slam. The, they're going to put the facts in. They're going to bury it. But they're not going to put it on top like the top news. Right. <laughs> that would be wrong. I wouldn't either if I was on the payroll. No. Wow. Well, so this, I, this, my prediction is this is going to, you know, these moms who have autistic children are not slouches for being activists. Many of them are irked by it. Uh, yeah, this, yeah. This is going to, this little piece of information is out there now. Now, you know, now, this, now that you say that, I have, I do recall hearing somewhere, maybe it was on TV in the background, someone talking about, uh, you know, if you're on antidepressants while you're pregnant, and that's when my head kind of whipped around, like, what? What crazy mother is going to take antidepressants while you're pregnant? Why are you depressed? It's like it's like it should be the most beautiful moment of your life. And are you crazy? I mean, we used to speculate whether one glass of wine was good or not while you were pregnant. Now it's like, well, you know, if you're on antidepressants while you're pregnant, you know, you should probably like what? That's nuts. 
and a lot of these the antidepressants now are repackaged as they're pro, repackaged Prozac. I don't have all the brand names in front of me, but there's repackaged Prozac that people were taking during their early. And a lot of women will have a depression when they're in their first trimester and they don't even know they're pregnant. Wow. And they'll be popping these pills. I'm telling you, this is going to develop into the biggest story. And here's a, here's a little tip for you investors out there. The potential, in my opinion, for this to turn into a John's Mansville disaster. What is a John's Mansville disaster? John's Mansville is a huge company, a construction materials company, that went completely bankrupt over asbestos. Oh, asbestos, lawsuits. right. Oh, so they you- were driven into the ground by these suits. This situation is just as bad in so far as Pfizer's concerned. You watch weird stuff start to happen, so Pfizer gets themselves distanced. Um, you think that uh, that the mainstream media will actually allow that to happen? Oh, no, this no. Is when the, once the moms no. get going, it's over. There's they cannot can't. they cannot put this off. Uh, 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 JC uh, uh, Buzzkill Junior just sent me a list of the names of Prozac clones. Uh, it just goes on and on. Cytox, Cytol, Fluctin, Fluox, Depress, Lovan. You know, is Zoloft. Zoloft is a, is similar. I know Zoloft is actually serotaline. Uh, lust, anyway, there's a, the fact of the matter is this, believe me, if you got people uh, out there that are on this uh, autism thing, uh, the vaccine thing, they are going to shift gears, move their sights over, and right. this is big. This is huge. And, of course, it's buried in the New York Times deep in the paper. But I'm telling you right now, this is huge. If you know, Even if it's not... If they can find some way to debunk this study, which I don't know if they will, it's too bit. It's too late. This is going to be big. All right, we'll stay all over that. Uh, something that goes along with it, in a way. Uh, you know, NASA has been launching uh, Minuteman uh, missiles. <laughs> Did you know that <laughs> they've been launching them from Vandenberg Air Base? Uh, I'm sorry, um, not NASA. Maybe it is NASA. Anyway, so they so they keep so there's now a second Minuteman three ICBM intercontinental ballistic missile is about to be launched, and I, I don't understand why we're launching ballistic missiles, or other than it's just a test. We have to test them. Um, but NASA, this is what I want to get to because I'm on a, I'm on all these launch lists, which is kind of cool, and you get all this information, and this one just caught my eye. Uh, based and this is between July 5th and July 23rd, so I don't I don't think it's happened yet. But based on the approved range schedule, the rocket pairs are set for launch between 9.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. The experiments on the Terrier-improved Orion rockets, guess what they're going to do? They're going to release lithium into the ionosphere. What? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're releasing lithium into the ionosphere. Why? Uh, uh, I don't know. But the resulting clouds are not expected to be visible to the naked eye, but will be seen by special cameras on the ground. And uh, I'm trying to figure out why they're doing this. They don't... Uh, no, I, I have a guess. Yeah, my guess is to shut no, your us guess up. is wrong. Okay, then why do we release lithium into the ionosphere? Well, if you can see the lithium cloud uh, with that, I think it's because they can put something... They, I think they're trying to trace ionospheric... Uh, uh, Movement, so they can see what from point A to point B. What if you put something at point A? Where does it end up in a year? And if you can spot it with that, and it doesn't cause any uh, lessening of the sun's penetration of the 
of the atmosphere. It's just kind of neutral, but you can see it with this the giveaways that they say they can see it with these special instruments. I think it's just a study. Okay. And will this uh, does this stuff just stay in the ionosphere? Does it come down to earth? I don't think it comes down. I think once something's in the ionosphere, it's up there for until I don't know what happens to it. It's a good question. Is fluoride in my cup? Nice. All right. Well, I don't like it. Well, of course not. I don't like it. If I were you, I wouldn't either. I, I'm not liking the lithium in the ionosphere thing. Like, can't you do that with something else besides lithium? Prozac. They're going to yeah. do something with that stuff. <laughs> yeah, so we can see the movement of the ionosphere. This Prozac. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's nothing. It's okay. It's no problem. It's all good. Uh, so... The, uh, Something big uh, that was propagated by the Ministry of Truth, and I have an AP report, the Associated Press, which, of course, uh, when the Associated Press publishes something... Uh, oh, by, by the way, I, I stop. G- uh, Buzzkill Jr. put it just a crazy little note. You probably didn't get it. Lithium as a superconductor yeah, for, for harp. harp. Yeah, for harp. Well, I, see, you already shut me down with just like the no, first thing. No, I shut you down because I thought you were going to say they sent it up so it could land in the water so we can all be doped up. Yeah, that was my initial thought, but then I yeah, also that's had... Why I shut you down, not the harp thing. Well, but so if they're going to do... So then we're in for some interesting weather. <laughs> or earthquakes. <laughs> I'm predicting interesting weather on the horizon. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah big one. write that in the red book. <laughs> yeah, well, write this one down, too. Remember we were talking, uh, I think it was on the last show, we played some, the douchebag who was actually, uh, who heads up the Securite uh, Committee. Squirrel! Um, and he was saying, well, you know, we need to evaluate TSA, we need to get them more personnel, you know, we need to get more money. Remember that? Peter King. Right, Peter King. Thank you. Well, uh, everything's right on plan. Last week, um, the Transportation Security Administration sent out um, a message to domestic and international air carriers and some other officials air, about a She's a Hummer. Program. Yeah, this woman is. She's from AP, and uh, and you see her talking like this the whole time. And they cut to B roll of airplanes landing. Um, about a fresh interest in a tactic to surgically implant explosives inside a human oh, being. Oh, yeah, jeez. What a crock. So, um, well, then you got to listen to it because it's, it's, it's very interesting. So, uh, Associated Press, you know, when they when they publish something, it goes viral, right? It's like uh, all these newspapers who don't oh, have yeah, staff. Yeah, it up. It's not, yeah. it's not viral. It's a syndicated. Uh, well, well uh, that's a version of viral. It's just because they, well, they viral know. Viral is a version of syndicated. To me, Thank you. Well, so, but if they inject it into AP, then it goes everywhere. And, of course, everyone starts picking it up in different ways. A fresh interest in interest. a tactic to surgically implant explosives inside a human being and um this would be to evade the airport security measures Can you imagine put- having this woman at a dinner party <laughs> i think I've, i think i kicked her out of one of my dinner parties actually been put in place over the past 10 years they they've received some intelligence that um terrorists are are looking to try to do that uh this is not a new concept it's just new intelligence that they're still interested in it but there's no specific plot there's nothing to say that this is happening they're doing it it's coming it depends where it is and how deep it is in the body. I mean, there's uh, there's different theories on that, but for the most part, the technology that's used to screen people in airports is not going to pick up something like that. So this is perfect. It's right on schedule. We need more people to feel you up, 
And what amazes me is the lack of follow-up on the story. I mean, in, in Los Angeles in particular, we have hundreds of thousands of plastic surgeons. You know, I'd like to know, if you implant, because uh, uh, they're talking about... Uh, a bomb. <laughs> a bomb. So this is the boob bomber, which we talked about, uh, what, two years ago? We knew that this yeah. was coming. At so least. here it is, the uh, boob bombs. Long since predicted. So, uh, you know, it's like, can you just, uh, how long does it take to heal? You know, will it, will it uh, how do you detect it? Is it completely undetectable? Can you just put this dust all over a boob? And it's like the form of a boob just makes bigger boobs and they blow up can you put it in your buttocks i mean all of these questions i have and and what's the name of that stuff that's so explosive the uh pentex pen uh, what is it the uh the explosives the guy that the, the, the terrorists are now using that powder come on i don't know i forgot yeah you know what I'm powder <laughs> gunpowder that's right gunpowder it's like all they're doing is just like throwing more fear on you and please let, let TSA feel you up. We know, we know that the scanners don't work, so just feel you up. The scanners don't work and they're not, and the feeling won't work if this is done right. Of course so, not. What, what are they going to do? Feel, they're going to get every woman, they're going to, hey, they're going to get a lot of people taking that job. Yeah. We may have to get. I'll take a job yeah. at the TSA if all I can do is feel boobs. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, the European Union, Starfleet Command, has, uh, uh, passed a vote, resolution passed, show of hands on Wednesday, and here it is, body scanners should be allowed at EU airports only if, only if, the health and dignity and privacy of passengers are protected. Now, that's the headline, but if you go down a little bit deeper, uh, i got to find uh, the exact quote. Semtex. Oh, sem- no, 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 it's not Semtex, no, no, no. It's not Semtex. P-E-T-N. Thank you. That's what it is. Mickey's like, Semtex. She's like, C4. No, not the stuff you have in the basement, honey. No, not that. No, it's P-E-T-N. It's different. Ministers of European Parliament accept that body scanners would enhance aviation security, but ask member states to, quote, deploy technology which is the least harmful for human health. (laughs) Least harmful. So not like not harmful, but the least harmful. Hey, United States of Europe, they're going to radiate you. It's crazy, isn't it? They're going to give people an x-ray? Whatever they're going to do, it's the least harmful. Whatever is the least harmful. The least harmful is just to leave people alone. Yeah, but they're not going to do that. They're going to... I still think the idea of getting a job at the TSA, if all you get to do is feel boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got to feel good boobs and bad boobs. You guys will be it's lined like, up. Maybe it's, uh, there must be a hierarchy. It's like, oh, here's some boobs. You, you these are for you, oh, dude. God. Hey, hey, new guy, new guy. These boobs are for you. <laughs> I'll take, I'll, I'll take. I think it'd be a seniority thing. I think the high seniority yeah. guys would get the boobs. Exactly. So Lucifer Clinton, uh, out there in uh, in the news, and uh, of course we've been tracking her techno experts, and she started something called Tech Women. Have you ever heard of uh, this organization, techwomen.org? No. Techwomen.org is funded by the U.S. Department of State's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, managed by the Institute of International Education. These are all the companies that uh, educate the uh, so-called uh, tweeter revolutionists. 
and is uh, implemented in partnership with the Anita Borg Institute for Women and Technology. Now, some of the partners uh, with in this program are Adobe, AT and T, uh, Cisco, Edelman PR, Ericsson, Facebook, Google, um, uh, YouTube, uh, NetApp, uh, HP, uh, Stanford University, Twitter. Now, all of these uh, great companies that help revolutionize everything. And uh, Lucifer is, uh, so Lucifer's back in uh, in town, and she just can't help herself. She just can't help herself, because she's boasting about this. She's just boasting about it, and in the meantime, she's totally playing her hand and explaining her uh, tech tech camps where they are training people to be shills on Twitter and Facebook. It's, it's unbelievable. By the way, now that she's back in town after her uh, trip to, to Belarus or Lithuania, her hair's looking great. So, you know, she had Pierre come in, and her hair is just awesome. I flew in. So we're excited about the role of technology, and we want to help facilitate your use of it. Here in the State Department, we do what we call 21st century statecraft. Hey, it's statecraft. It's kind of like witchcraft, only different. Um, That's just a fancy way of saying that we are trying to use technology uh, to open up doors that are otherwise closed. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, last week in Lithuania, um, Alec Ross, who was here and and heading up a lot of our efforts. Remember that guy? Remember Alec Ross? No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we pegged this guy early on. Uh, He is the uh, uh, Secretary Clinton's tech guru, according to... uh, uh, the book of knowledge. This is the guy who set up that foundation that we pegged like two years ago called uh, um, One Economy. Remember that? I'm not getting it. Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, he's like, he's a, he's a, he's an expert. His, uh, his dad, by the way, was uh, some kind of shill. I uh, can't remember. Uh, Anyway, this is this is the guy who's running all of these groups, and he's the the expert. Twenty first century statecraft initiative. Yeah, well, keep listening. Uh, along with his great team, convened what we call a tech camp. Aha! Uh-huh. Now, a tech camp is an opportunity to bring together dozens of civil society activists, yeah. human rights defenders, mm-hmm. NGO leaders uh, from many different societies. These particularly were from <clears throat> former Soviet states like <laughs> Belarus, Ukraine. It's the hackers. You got hackers. Moldova and others. Because they're interested in using the internet uh, and connection technologies to forge uh, political change uh-huh. and to give people a voice who might otherwise not have one. Uh, and what we believe is that technology can be a great facilitator. It can also be used by governments and others to prevent uh, people from being able to communicate. So we have to stay a step ahead so that people are never deprived of their opportunity, as we saw how important that was in both Tunisia and Egypt. Do you hear? I mean, she's literally spelling it out. Like, we are supporting these people and these non-governmental organizations uh, to start revolutions which are bogus. We're training them. Uh, Over the last months, we're seeing it in many other settings as well. And we want to help you uh, really 
fulfill your own God-given potential, however you define that, uh, by using technology as one of the many tools for tools. enhancing relationships, building businesses, creating greater uh, opportunities. I also think it's important that uh, these conversations that you have begun this past month continue, and we hope that you will reach out to women and girls back home who can benefit from what you have experienced, because the world needs your contributions, and I know that uh, each of you has such great potential. So our work is just beginning together, and we want to hear from you. I welcome you to stay in touch with us and to offer your suggestions, your recommendations, your constructive criticism, because uh, we're trying... Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. <clears throat> what the hell has this got to do with the State Department? Well, the State Department is responsible for things... I mean, it used to be Voice of America... Uh, which was the propaganda machine, and now they're just turning to uh, predominantly Muslim women uh, to start these revolutions through the tweeters. In fact, I went back to uh, 2010 when uh, Lucifer announced this initiative, and it's literally to train Muslim women. Uh, here's a 30-second clip from 2010. So here's what we want to do that we hope will be good. First, through a program called Tech Women, we will enhance the technological capacity of women in seven Muslim-majority countries. I wonder what seven they are. What do you think? Well, could, could it be Egypt? The ones on the list. <clears throat> could it be Libya? Could it be Lebanon? Could it be Syria? You betcha. Promising entrepreneurs in the tech field will be paired with American mentors and given four to six weeks of training in American tech centers such as Silicon Valley. Wow. And then there's a new word, which maybe, I mean, I looked it up, and maybe my dictionary is just dumb, but uh, I had never heard this word before. And finally, though, and most importantly, uh, let me thank all of the women of Tech Women, uh, the mentors and the mentees uh, who have spent the... Mentees? Mentees. What's a mentee? <laughs> I never heard it. You, you couldn't find it? No, I looked in the dictionary. It's like yeah, they look in the Oxford English Dictionary. It's a, Maybe it's in do there. Do you mean manatee? No. Hey, it's right in. It's on the web here. Hold on a second. What's a mentee? Wim, it, on the web page, womenetics. Womenetics. Oh, it's a non-existent word. No, on the wom, w web page, womenetics. It's used. I'm just quit good looking at something. Just by coincidence, I'm reading this this sentence. It says, according to Stock, the mentees are not the only ones who will gain something from the Tech Women program. The mentors oh. also benefit from the experience. How about the mentos? So I guess a mentee is a woman who was mentored. Is that uh, is that now the translation? I couldn't find this in the dictionary. Well, that's what they're using. They're using it commonly. Mentees. I was like, wow. Okay, new word. I'll take it. So here's it. the... The women traveling from abroad for tech women come from the Muslim countries of Algeria. We left that one out. Mm -hmm. Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, Morocco, and Palestine. Hmm. Oh, put them all on the list, I guess. So this is the program. And it's been going on for a while, and we completely missed this uh, techwomen.org. And now they've also announced tech... Uh, girls.org. She's going all out. It's like, get them young. There's this whole thing about... Actually, I felt a little... Um, um, 
I don't know. I, I didn't feel good when she started saying that, you know, women uh, get no breaks. It sucks for women. It's horrible for women. I'm like, well, didn't we like do that in the 60s? Didn't we break through all no, of no, that? Well, she's preoccupied. You got it. People, you got to put on the on the uh, on the show notes. This womenetic site It's quite interesting. Now, being a woman in the field of technology is not always easy. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many great women there are in technology? I think I've hired more female uh, tech experts than male. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Being a woman in any field is not always easy. But there are so many opportunities in technology uh, that we just have to forge ahead. And we're doing so around the world. Uh, because we want to make sure that all the tools that tools. technology has made available are just as uh, open to women as they are to men. And I also believe that um, innovation thrives on good ideas, and women have a lot of good ideas, and we don't want those ideas to just die. We want them to be shared and to help others and to create businesses and jobs and improve lives and it has a greater impact when technology has access uh, for everyone which is weird I, I got your mentee thing here right oh yeah uh buzzkill jr came up with this and he's like a yeah he's a he's a, he's a genius <laughs> he says that the normally you'd use the word protege you have a mentor and a protege, right? Right, that's what I always. He says thought. the problem is, is that protege is a male. Protege normally is male, and protege with two e's is female, and they can't have anything that would be like showing a difference in the sexes. So they dreamed up this new word, mentee, which is asexual. Does it have an accent on the first e? Protege does. <laughs> Mentees. Mentees got no. It doesn't. It sounds. Does. It just doesn't. It sounds like icky. It sounds like a like an animal that is that's a a mammal that lives in the sea. Yeah, like a manatee. Yeah, a mentee. Hey, how's your? I think that should be the. We shouldn't have interns anymore. It should be mentees. So uh, apparently, they've created this ambassador at large of global women's issues at the State Department. Mm-hmm. And Lorraine uh, like, Lorraine Harriton. Do you know her? Well, I'm looking at last November M- M- Melanie Verveer. Do you know her? The ambassador for women. Well, I'm sorry, uh, Lorraine Harriton. I thought you would know her. She's like a, a, a Silicon Valley uh, a success story for the past 25 years. You don't know her? No. Oh. I don't know everybody. You're like hey, everybody. A, you're like a <laughs> you're like a techno expert, aren't you? Are you I'm like, a techno expert, but I don't yeah. know everybody. I thought you knew everybody. She's the special representative for commercial and business affairs for the State Department. <clears throat> she was the CEO of Aptera. Never heard of it. CEO of Beatnik. Beatnik? Yeah. These are fronts. <laughs> she also spent 15 years at IBM serving in a number of executive capacities. Oh, yeah, whatever that means. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah, but this Ro- this Alec Ross guy, we got to keep our eye on him. <clears throat> and uh, this tech women and mentees and tech teens. And women tech, womenetics. And, and it's, it's kind of like anti-man is what oh, it yeah. sounds like. And this Christine Lagarde, who held her first IMF press conference, she's also like, it's also like, you know, all women, women, women. It's like, and shut up, men. Yeah, well, I've got a couple Christine Lagarde clips I want to play because after listening to her... <clears throat> I've decided that it, I haven't decided, but I'm now leaning toward the idea that maybe it was either the World Bank 
or uh, somebody that hold, wanted hold what's on, his name on, out. Uh, sorry. Because she just, uh, the, for one thing, the guy that's always sitting by her side is this John Lipsky, who's the American. Yeah, the American, he's the, the number two guy. He's the number two guy, and there was a number of pointed questions as to why is it always a European and then an American? And, of course, then there's always Wait a American minute. Did we both the watch this? Did we both watch C-SPAN, watch the same press yeah. conference? Oh, jeez. I just want to play the short Lagarde clip, uh, which is the one that just says Christine Lagarde, which is which where she slams DSK as if he was a lousy manager, and it makes me think that maybe they wanted to get him out. This is, uh, hold on, there's two, and they're both named differently. Uh, you said it's a short one? No, no, it's not the short. The other one's shorter. It's the one that just says Christine Lagarde. The other one's got a Oh, line. I see. It says ex Christine Lagarde. All right. Slip, slip of the finger there. Uh, uh, how should we uh, expect, uh, how soon should we expect that we a real change? Thank you. Okay, well, I'll be very clear on that. Um, and it's a twofold response. Number one. Oh, stop. By the way. This woman is one of those who does it. And you know one of my pet peeves. The gratuitous smile in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. She, she, she starts to say something, then she gives a big grin. Yeah. What, what? is she saying with this grin? You know, it's extremely annoying. But anyway, play on. About management style. And it's no criticism of, of my predecessors. Uh, but my style is about opening up reaching out, engaging people, and working as a team. I can't do it alone. They can't do it alone. We have to pull the institution together and engage the staff and make sure that people are not only satisfied with the work, but proud with the results and happy with their work. Happy. So in terms of... And I'm not suggesting that they were not happy or they were no, not... No, they weren't happy. But my she goes on, you can stop it. She goes on and on slamming the guy uh, as not a team player was essentially the message. And I'm wondering, you know, who's really wanted him out of there. Mm -hmm. So now the, the more interesting question to me was the second clip, which is the guy from the Financial Times basically asked her, what is she even doing there? Anna BC from the Financial Times. Thank Hello. You for, thank you for the mention Hello. earlier. Um, <laughs> let me ask you about a couple of issues I'm sure you had not expected to come up. As a lawyer, um, until recently a French finance minister, how will you counter accusations that you are, one, not qualified to take decisions on economics, and two, might have the interests of French banks and French taxpayers at heart in issues like Greece rather than those of the IMF? You always ask such nice questions, Alan. <laughs> it's always a pleasure. Um, you know what? I'm not going to brag about my uh, qualifications or lack of qualifications. I think uh, the truth of the pudding is in the eating, as you say. <laughs> and we'll see how it goes. I don't think that's the exact saying, uh, Miss Lagarde. <laughs> I, by the way, I like the way she handled that question because if anybody out there ever has to be confronted with this, it's like, ask me something like, say I'm, uh, I'm the CEO of uh, of IBM now. It's, 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 for some reason, I, John Dvorak, have become the CEO of IBM. You Now, ask me about my qualifications for this. Uh, John, as uh, a wine judge, how can you uh, uh, justify your qualifications with the job you're currently in? Well, you know, I'm not going to brag about my qualifications <laughs> or lack of qualifications. <laughs> so we'll just see how it, how it turns out. 
<laughs> Thank I'm you. Not, not, she says, I'm not going to brag. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's, but it was a negative question. There was nothing to brag about. It's like, I'm not going to brag that I don't have any qualifications. Look, what? She, she's been a, beautiful. She's been a lawyer all her career. She ran uh, Baker McKenzie, uh, the headquarters in Chicago. She's part of the Chicago cabal. She has no qualifications other than she's an elite. And she's right up there. And that's perfect. There's something out I think, because I have uh, different clips that I... It's interesting that we pulled different clips from this. Uh, by the way, I want to remind everybody. It's what we do so you don't have to see We watch hours of this stuff to bring you this entertainment. Um, I think that it was a big mess inside the IMF. And um, <laughs> the guy from... Uh, Fox Business News. <laughs> well, so, so she, she says something in her statement, and then he asks a question about it. Here's what she said about... Uh, about uh, well, they tried. This is the guy they tried to interrupt. Yeah, no, I got, I got that, too. So I, I, first, let's hear what she has to say uh, about uh, the, the environment she's going to change inside the IMF where the yeah. eating is in the pudding. Two seats at the board. Not to say that we must not... Quite to the contrary, we must complete the reform that was approved in 2010, and I will see to that. And before I left France, I made sure that our quota increase was actually duly wrapped up in the parliamentary process and approved by my parliament. So we must complete the 2010 reform, and governance and quotas must be adjusted to reflect the new architecture of the world. But that like, by the way, the new architecture of the world, hello, yeah. new world order, hello. It could also reflect in Love our it. employment policies, in our training policies, in the way in which we build teams, in the way in which we organize recruitment so that people are not clones of each other. Okay, so uh, people should not be clones of each other, and I thought the Fox Business guy came up with a great question. Secondly, briefly, I can't resist. Do you think that the staff here are all clones of each other? <laughs> Do you think that the staff here are all clones of each other? <laughs> okay, well, dealing with your, your second question, of course not. Of course not. You of course know, not. I, I of attended not. The, uh, the town hall meeting yesterday. With of course not. Of course Peter not. Barnes, by the way. Of course not. We are not clones. Well, he actually identifies himself with his final question where they absolutely tried to shut him up. And I'm sure I'll come back to you. Yes, that's for sure. Up, Thank you. Um, the, no, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the uh, someone over here. I wanted to follow up on the Dominic Strauss-Kahn case. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, the Madam, person Madam to Director, your left was if, the person. Uh, would there be any reforms in the human in the human resources policies here? Uh, do you plan any changes in them in light of the controversy over Mr. Strauss-Kahn? And uh, does it make will it make a difference that you're a woman? Uh, and finally, is there too much <laughs> testosterone in the building, as I've heard you say? Before Madame Lagarde answers that, could you just describe, uh, give your name and affiliation? Thank you. I, you know, it's like amazing. And the other journalists are like, wow. Oh, no, he didn't. He asked the question. Well, I'm not going to say anything. I want to hear the answer. Yeah, I know. Nobody no jumped one, in. Yeah, no, no one jumped Because the other journalists, mostly from European uh, operations, are not going to say anything. No, of they're, course not. They're taught not to you know, be interruptive. You know, I found the blog post from, uh, remember on the last show we played uh, that clip from uh, Miliband, and the journalist is asking uh, different questions, and Miliband keeps giving the same answer over and over again like a robot. Ah. So I found a blog post, because of course he says, well, I'm, he says, I'm actually really happy 
that this video found its way onto YouTube. It was pool video. That's why uh, uh, multiple uh, outlets had it. Um, and so the way it works is, for those of you who don't, and this is our, our media deconstruction, uh, so they'll have one, one journalist is chosen. He goes in, he sits down, he asks a whole bunch of questions. Everybody gets the same video, and then they pull a quote from it. And, of course, you know, the guy answered four different questions with the exact same answer, with the exact same talking points every single time. And uh, so the raw video, and this is what's great about uh, what's happening with the Internet, the raw video found its way out onto YouTube, and everyone's like, wow, the guy is like, what a robot. He just he, he has no interest in answering the questions. And this journalist said, uh, the reason why I didn't say, hey, dude, you're being a douchebag, uh, you keep answering all these different questions with the same talking points, is because I didn't want to lose my job at the BBC. And there you have it. There you have it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, blog post uh, linked in the show notes at 319.nashownotes.com. I guarantee the guy is going to get fired for posting this blog. I mean, I think that's stupid. And, of course, immediately, people are now finding video all over the place. Have you seen the George Osborne video? No. No. It's the exact same thing. This is um, from 2010. And it's another pool video with a woman this time. And uh, she asked multiple questions. And how does he answer? This is very important for the human resources in Gitmo Nation East, the United Kingdom, because, wow, your media, I thought we were bad here in the West. Your media is really out of control. You've never seen this before. Well, I think we've got a double dose of good news today for Britain. We've got strong growth figures, actually the strongest growth in this part of the year for a decade. And at the same time, we've just heard that the country's credit rating has been secured. And I think this underpins confidence in the economy. I think it is a vote of confidence in the government's economic policies. Uh, And I think it gives us the confidence now to look to the future uh, with some optimism. So we've heard uh, confidence, confidence, uh, double jeopardy, whatever, right? We, We hear all that. Let's ask a question. But even with these growth figures, you have to admit that your cuts program hasn't come in yet. VAT will rise next year. Job losses haven't happened yet. Things could get worse. Well, I think what you see today is a double dose of good news for the British economy. (laughs) First of all, strong growth figures, actually the strongest growth for this part of the year that we've seen in a decade. And also, we've just heard that the country's credit rating, which had been put at risk by the previous government, has been secured. Now, both those things will underpin confidence in the recovery, and I think they are also a vote of confidence in the new government's economic policies. Do you still worry about a double-dip recession? Well, I think what you see today in an uncertain global economic environment is Britain growing, growing strongly, uh, the strongest growth we've seen in this part of the year for a decade, and also our country's credit rating being secured. That's a big vote of confidence in the UK and a vote of confidence in the coalition government's economic policies. One more time. Uh, the experts said that your cuts were unfair, and now in the first opinion poll, uh, they're showing also people think they're unfair. Uh, do you have a problem with that? Look, I think people know that this country had some serious economic problems and that the debt problem had to be dealt with. They see a new government has come in and dealt decisively with it. And now today, we've got this double dose of good news. First of all, strong growth figures, but also the country's credit rating uh, reaffirmed and secured when it had been put at risk by the previous Labour government. And I think that will underpin confidence in the recovery going forward. Isn't that awesome? Well, you know what's interesting to me um, is that 
Uh, well, I mean, there's a, there's a number of deconstructions that have obviously taken place someplace or other. First of all, they realize that they can say whatever they want. Yeah. And I also think that they've taken the talking points idea to an extreme. And generally speaking, with talking points, you have a lot of talking points, and you just try to drop them in during a conversational interview, you know, so you have them at the ready. You don't normally load up all your talking points in each answer. But what they've done, I believe, is they've, they've determined these politicians or, or whoever's behind this, because this is trained. This is a training exercise. This, these people were trained to do this. It goes like this. I'm uh, running a news organization and I have to, and I have to get a clip of, of XYZ. So I send some reporter out there and, he, and as you know, you've had this happen. You just have some guy come in from the network and he yaks away for you for a half an hour and they take one, one minute clip. Uh, what do you mean? 10 seconds. 10 second clip. Sorry. What am I thinking? Yeah. One minute. That's a that's, bonanza. That's a, that's a win. Yeah. So what they've done is they've, 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 said they've decided the politicians in england have decided as a group that we're going to answer every single question the same way because they're only going to take one of these questions anyway and so we're going to get this message across no matter what you ask us and so so now the news organization gets the the bbc gets this little interview and they say well what's the good question and they take the best question and use that because it's the most compelling question. But meanwhile, they get the same exact answer no matter what the question. And so it's basically it's like script writing. They've you know they they've created a cut and paste scenario for the news media, and nobody's going to nobody's supposed to argue about this. Just the way it is. Yeah, the thing that, that, that's interesting the is the BBC says he would get fired because he wouldn't be doing it right. Yeah, the thing that's interesting is that uh, the journalists don't say anything. They just they, it's it's a game. Yeah, it's it's all a big game. Like, look, I got to get a 10-second quote from you. Uh, you know, I just want to get the funniest ones. I'm going to keep asking you questions until I, you know, get something that's a little more interesting. It's like, it's, it's abhorrent is your word. You know, it'd be funny. The, 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 I think a, a funny news organization, if they had a sense of humor, would ask just some really strange question. You know, just something completely off the wall. And do you associate that with flying saucers? Well, the way <laughs> yeah. the British economy's been going is we have we've really good, you know, just some off the wall thing and still get that same stupid answer. Yeah. And then use that one. I think well what we can do is we can edit in different questions in this existing video. Oh now there now you're talking. Because of course no one would ever do that because they're like space ghost. <laughs> so do you think that HARP is actually going to be enhanced by the superconductor lithium that NASA is shooting into the air? What we're seeing here is a double dipper session. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I found a, an article um about Libya, which I you know, something that I, I guess we missed. Um you know, this is before the the days, not weeks, and before we started, uh, you know, throwing hellfire missiles on these poor people. Um, apparently, Goldman Sachs took one point three billion dollars from the Libyan sovereign wealth fund in uh, two thousand seven, and they lost ninety eight percent of the money in the crisis. Ninety eight percent of one point three billion dollars. And uh, and they actually even offered Libya to, you know, they offered him stock in Goldman Sachs to make up for this loss. <laughs> and I'm thinking this is something that just can't be overlooked. You know, that I, this, I, come, this, this news item comes in and out of the news every so often. Had you heard about this? Because I didn't know about this one. 
Yeah, I think so. I didn't know about it. And apparently the LIA, that's the Sovereign Wealth Fund, had about $53 billion in assets. Uh, and even here it says, in 2011, after civil war erupted in Libya and Gaddafi said he would not step down, the U.S. government seed about $37 billion. It It seems like this was just a premeditated heist. And it and it started somehow. It started. I think it started with this Goldman Sachs, who of course stole the money. I mean, you don't just lose ninety eight percent. You think so? I think. That, yeah, I think it's a criminal act somewhere. You know, obviously, unless yeah. some you know somebody <laughs> lost the books. I mean, Goldman Sachs always wins. They they're like win 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 win. Yeah, I don't know why we're not working for them instead of doing this show. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda in the morning. I want to thank some listeners for keeping us from getting fired by the BBC. Or ITV, for that matter. Or ITV or any of these guys. And don't forget to go to No Agenda uh, show.com I'm sorry no agenda show.com or dvorak.org slash na and help us out here we, we want to thank Justin Bach uh, in uh, Lafayette Louisiana John and Adam driving 12 hours through the night tonight to hopefully see the final shuttle launch tomorrow that must have been fun please send some karma my way so the damn thing goes off as scheduled <laughs> hold on <laughs> wow you've got karma uh, he's at J.B. Hoskins on Twitter. On the Twitters. Tom Schuring, uh, Wheeler's Hill, Victoria, Australia. It's been a while since I donated. Since show 317 was so good. Here's some petrol money for the camper van. Oh, lovely. I think 317 should be the reference implementation of a No Agenda show. Great way to introduce new people to No Agenda. That's an interesting idea. I'll take a note. I'll note that down and listen to, re-listen to the show and see if you're right. Uh, big cheers, uh from Tom. Tom Schooding is uh, the official uh, digital archivist uh, of Adam Curry. He's the he's the guy. He's the Dutch guy in Australia that I send all of my cassette tapes to of all my radio shows from the eighties and nineties. Oh, okay. And he's put and he's digitized them all and put them on the web, which is awesome. Good guy. Yeah. Maybe I should send some of my old stuff from uh, CNET. No, maybe not. Danny Baker, Morristown, Tennessee, 100 bucks. This might land me in jail, but I'm calling out my governor, Bill Haslam, as a douchebag. Douchebag. I don't think so. Justin, was not, hey, we haven't gotten that far yet. You can call your governor a douchebag. Uh, Justin Wagner, would be nice to know why he's a douchebag. You know, you know uh, <clears throat> he sent me a note. I think it's because uh, he sent his governor a question about the Protect IP Act. And he got a standard. It's linked in the show notes, actually. I, I, I did do remember to keep that in there. And uh, he got like some standard form back saying, you know, the Protect IP Act is really great. It's going to protect all the people who work in Hollywood. It's all wonderful. Yeah, I think he was really angry about the canned response. Douchebag. Justin Wagner, East Moline, Illinois, $100. I'm seeing a lot of donors from around my area. I don't know. Then, but I felt a great pressure to stop being a douche. So please de-douche me and throw some karma my way to help. You've been de-douched. You've got karma. My wife creates. Uh, it may help me and my wife create a new slave. We've been trying for months, and everyone else in the family keeps getting pregnant. Thanks for the show. Keeps me entertained during my twelve hours of mindless factory labor. <laughs> wow, maybe that's part of the problem. <laughs> it's like you come home, it's like let's make a new slave. <laughs> a new I, slave. I'm going back to factory. Come back, make slave. 
Matthew, <laughs> Matthew Scheuer, Winthrop, Minnesota, $81. He needs a karma shot. You've got karma. Dame Andrea Garnier in Rocky Mountain House, Alberta, Canada, on the occasion of our fourth wedding anniversary for Black Knight, Aww. Sir Kelly, and Dame Andrea of Gitmo Nation, Great White North. We humbly request our podcast licenses so we can laugh our asses off to no agenda well past our useful slave lives. <laughs> Here's to laughing with my wonderful chivalrous night forever. X X X O Andrea. No, oh, that's so sweet, isn't it? Ah, that's lovely. Let me give him uh, it's Sir Kelly and Dame. A- I think it's Dame Andrea. I don't think it's Andrea. I think it's Andrea. Yeah, probably. Uh, is and they they of course have been big supporters of the No Agenda show. So uh, yes, we love both of you. Here's some karma. You've got karma. And uh, podcast licenses will be uh, set up accordingly. Jay Colin Beck in Edmonton, Alberta. Another both two two Albertans in the in a row. Hey, mofos! <laughs> Longtime listener, founding producer of No Agenda Stream, and proud Challenge Coin holder up here in Gitmo Nation, Refinery Row, Edmonton. Uh, just starting my vacation to Vancouver Island, the most beautiful place in Canada, aside from Nova Scotia. I agree with that, by the way. Vancouver Island is fantastic, with one of the prettiest towns on the west coast, Victoria. We're uh, taking the trains. Good. Plane's bad because I've heard it's amazing through the Rocky Mountains. I've heard that too. I thought I'd drop off a donation, a suggestion to think about some more creative incentives to get people to donate. The challenge coins were a hit. Podcast licenses are working and the night rings are cool. Hope to get one myself. What about no agenda money clip for our slave allowances? <laughs> I don't think it holds uh, quarters. <laughs> what branded cigar scotch holders to hold them if we got them? Right. Plus, he's on to Eric. Hey, you know, we're not putting you in charge of merchandising, okay? This I is, think the money clip's a good idea. No, the money, it, it, it's, it, we have no money. As Alan Asaf, <clears throat> Sir Alan Asaf in Decatur, Georgia. Gentlemen, sorry for being a boner recently. I want to donate more, but Uncle Sam wants his cut first. Please send Sir John Smith some karma for his new job. Thanks, Sir Alan. The, the Arabian, Arabian night. night. Oh, yes, of course. That's off. You've got karma. And then we got some double nickels on the diamonds. That was also Alan's. Alan's was one of them. Uh, David Hunt in Vancouver, B.C. In the morning, John and Adam, a long overdue donation. Hearing about the other producers just getting by and still inspired me to do the same. Would like a shot of karma? Oh, I'm <clears throat> sorry. Yes. Communications undergrad. <clears throat> You've go. got karma. It's David, like David with a... And at the end, Davin, not David, Davin. And he's a student. Donald Philip Chuck in Calgary. We got a lot of Canadians today. We must have said something about Harper. Hi, John and Adam. Enjoy your show. I'm tired of being a douchebag. You just spare some karma. I'd really appreciate it. I've been feeling down lately. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, You've got karma. That's a karma's interruptus. Sorry. He has big shout out to Doug in Calgary who introduced him to the show. And a hi to Anna who has subsequently introduced her to the show. All the best. Don in Calgary and uh, Gregory Rosati, double uh, 5150 from Suffolk, Virginia. Christina Norman uh, in Edmonton, Alberta, 5033. And then Christina Norman in Chicago, 50. And I want to read. How does that work? We have two. We have. Wait a minute. That's kind of odd. Is it the same person? It's the Prozac twins. No, look, Christina Norman in Edmonton says, Hi, John and Adam. I'm moving to Santa Monica from Alberta, Canada to start a job as a video game designer. I need to find reasonably priced accommodations and buy a used car and do well at my job so I'm not deported. <laughs> Please send me some karma. Well, you definitely get yourself a clunker, baby. You've Any- got karma. 
Any tips for survival in Santa Monica would be appreciated. And then, yeah, Christina, yeah, don't don't smoke the the really green weed. Christina Norman in Chicago, fifty dollars. Thanks for a great show, John. I hope this helps a little bit. This is Chris B in Chicago, so mm. I don't know what the. Well, I think uh, maybe some. Uh... And James Free Hollow books another fifty dollars from him. Wow, uh, for us. Uh, for from Dave Rogie of New York buying a, uh, one of the hollow books at freehollowbooks.com. John Ma- Sir John Matthews, Huntersville, North Carolina, $50. He needs his wife a birthday uh, call Shout, out. Yeah. So put her on the list. I think she's on the list. Uh, and Karma, shout out for today. I hope to see John and Mickey on the, in, in North Carolina in the Hot Pockets tour. And finally, Joshua Brickner. Well, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to give her Karma. I wanted Karma. His birthday is oh, one thing, but. Karma. Karma is also very important. That's for Lady Matthews. And uh, Joshua Brickner in Loveland, Colorado. And Nichelle Moore in Nightland, North Carolina. Another North Carolinian. Uh, $50 each. Thank- I want to thank everybody for donating, keeping the show alive, and uh, especially for this particular episode, which uh, is show 319. Uh, go to org slash na or com slash na or no agenda nation, where there's also a storefront you should check out noagendanation.com and help us uh, for show 320 and we're getting down to 321 which is an interesting show number and by the way my wife mentioned today was the seventh day of the seventh month of the something or other of the seventh uh, epoch yeah this is a very interesting year with the uh, you know with your birthday Lots of numbers uh, and your uh, and and your age uh, equ- equaling 111 there's also uh, I think it's uh, the, isn't there a couple months in this year that has five weekends yeah, somebody's got the most, and I think the November is really a weird month. Yeah, and we have eleven, eleven, eleven in November, which is really which is going to be yeah. That's another hot one we got to be on the lookout for. Well, uh, thank you all for supporting the show. I think you can hear that uh, we've been doing our work, and and uh, it's kind of interesting how complimentary we were on the Lagarde thing, where uh, we both watched. You know, John and I don't talk at all during the week. We speak twice a week, and that's during this show. And uh, and uh, the rest of the week is pretty much spent uh, pouring through documents and uh, and watching C-SPAN, so you don't have to. And uh, trying to bring you actual news and and dissection of what's being spoon fed to you. And we cannot and will not take any commercial money. So the only thing you need to remember is slash na. So Jeffrey Stark, happy birthday to you today. It's his 25th uh, birthday. Sir John Matthews says happy birthday to his lady Matthews, who celebrates today as well. And uh, Ian Larson, uh, I think we're still early on this, but I'll say it anyway. 47th birthday on the 14th. We'll just probably have to do it again uh, next week. And then very important to me, Miss Mickey celebrates her birthday tomorrow. And you know what a big deal it is for those Dutch girls to have uh, the balloons and everything all set up so happy birthday darling i love you no knighthoods today which is uh sad that's curious my daughter's birthday is on 7-eleven what uh curious in what way well because you it's close to your uh to mickey's birthday oh okay right gee that's curious I thought so, and they and they look the same and they're almost the same age it's so curious yeah, one's taller <laughs> Um, hey, did you hear that uh, President Obama has uh, offered 10,000 troops uh, for Iraq? 
what you what you, as a as a as, as a, a gift, gift? Yeah, as a gift yeah you know, you know remember that they were if if they asked for uh, any troops and you know even though they're supposed to bring them all home from iraq uh you can take that to the bank uh, but if they ask for some troops to stay behind, by the way, it's combat troops. Of course, there's 50,000 non-combat troops uh, there in the green zone in the embassy, and uh, not to mention all the contractors and all that stuff. Uh, no, the White House is uh, is offering, hey, do, would you like uh, 10,000 of these? It was a tribute? <laughs> yeah, it's like a wedding gift. I don't, know what, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. So... Uh, one of the things that was on C-SPAN I couldn't resist. Clinton, I think you mentioned this some weeks ago. You think he's going senile. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's all the blow he did. Well, I've got two clips from Clinton I want to play. One of them is just ridiculous. But the other one, I, just as a setup, I want you to play Clinton Babble. And it shows that he's he kind of, when he gives these speech, he gives his speeches, he uh, is in front of a bunch of young people and some. It's just like a bunch of bloggers, essentially. Mm-hmm. And he's and he talks. He talks forever. I mean, it's unbelievable how long he babbles on. But none of it makes any sense half the time. Play this. So we spend too much time majoring in the minors. I want you to serve. I want you to answer the how questions. I want you to lobby for the things you clap for, like the Dream Act. But this econ- economy is fragile. We cannot go another decade continuing to fall in the percentage of our young people with college degrees. We have to implement this student loan program, and then 100% of the people have to know about it. So he goes... He, he, know. he got to know. He's, this whole thing, he, he jumps from topic to topic to topic, and then his whole thing is about you've got to know. I've seen you've this. Th- this is the, his Clinton Global Initiative, I think, in New York, and he's sitting in the chair and he has a hand mic, right? No, no. This is in front of a large group of students, and he's standing oh. at a podium. This oh, is the I'm same, sorry. similar yeah. speech, I'm sure. But uh-huh. no, it wasn't about the Clinton Global Initiative. Oh, it was because that's all he talks that's about. That's all he does. Yeah. But so he brings up. So here's the the thing that got me. First of all, his whole thesis here was that you got to know the facts. You got to know what's true and what's accurate. So I want you to play this clip, and then I want to deconstruct it because it's unbelievable to me. This is the president of the United States that doesn't know the difference between the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. And then he misquotes Martin Luther King on top of it. If you look at the story of America, we had a lot of speeches, I bet, on the 4th of July, the politics authority taking hold about what America means and what the tent of the framers were and all of that. The Declaration of Independence gave America a permanent mission. The framers pledged their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor to form a more perfect union. That's 18th century speak. In 21st century slang, what that means is, hey, we're not perfect, we're never going to be perfect, but we can always do better. And our job is to keep doing better, to keep stumbling in the right direction. Or in the words of Martin Luther King, the arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. Our job is to make sure the arc bends in the right direction. And when I was president, I used to tell people all the time, to me, forming a more perfect union means widening the circle of opportunity, deepening the meaning of freedom, and strengthening the bonds of community. And it requires all of us to keep growing and learning and embracing Huh. 
This is a crock of crap. From I mean, for one thing, he bastardizes everything. First of all, the Declaration of Independence never said anything about a more perfect union. That was in the preamble well, of the no, Constitution, no, written over a decade later. And this is the president of the United States, by the way. Stumble. We got to stumble forward. And it, it's got to do a stumbling forward. The, the reason it's in the preamble is because they had the Articles of Confederation, which were thrown together right after the uh, Declaration of Independence, and it wasn't working, and they had to have a better union of these different states, so they worked together a little better. And that's what more perfect union was about. It wasn't about man's imperfection or anything like that. And then he has, has this bullcrap quote from Martin Luther King, which is completely bogus. The quote is as follows. Let us realize the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Clinton has it. Oh, the arc of history bends toward justice. No, it doesn't. Anyone who's read any Toynbee knows it doesn't bend toward justice. It's, justice it never has. It bends all kinds of different ways. This is a the president of the United States that doesn't know what's in the Declaration of Independence, doesn't know what's in the Constitution, and then misquotes Martin Luther King, who's actually lifted that statement himself from a guy in 1853, Thomas Parker, or Theodore Parker, very famous writer who did a book, which we should be in our list, called... Uh, uh, what the hell is the name? Justice and Conscious. Conscience. Anyway, the point is, is this, I, this is a president that doesn't know the the Declaration of Independence. I mean, and then he babbles on about you know stumbling along, and we have to be good to each other. I mean, this is this to me is 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 Clinton, a liar, makes it up as he goes along, a horrible person. John C. Dvorak, pet peeve of the day. Let me uh, just say one thing. I. When listening to that clip with fresh ears, I had not heard it. To me, it sounded a bit like, first of all, he didn't write it. He got some, some kid is writing this stuff because he's too busy. He's got other stuff to do. Hookers and blow, which is what he does. And um, I think as he was reading this, he's like, this doesn't make sense. Something's, uh, whatever, stumble forward, whatever. I don't think he wrote it. I think he's just reading along, doing whatever he's doing, because that's kind of how it works. He had no time to write stuff. I disagree. You think he's actually that stupid? These speeches, it's like when he came into that Obama press conference and took it over and started babbling. Mm. He's got all the stuff in his brain. He had no notes. He wasn't reading from a prompter. There was no prompter anywhere to be seen. He was just yakking away, you know, making it up as he goes along. You know, it, you're misunderstanding the mechanism of the Constitution and the, and the you know, de, kind of demeaning it because a bunch of bonehead framers, they don't know anything about anything that's going on today. And it's just 18th century speak for, you know, <laughs> stumbling, stumbling forward. <laughs> I like the stumbling forward. That's slang for stumbling forward. And this was his Fourth of July speech. Is that what that was? It, it came, I think, a couple of days after the 4th. Uh, did you see uh, our current president's 4th of July uh, no, speech? No, I'm, 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 gee, I, I missed it. I oh, feel was, so bad it's about a, it. It's a hello, everybody, bonanza. It's just great. Would you like to, can we share this? Would you like to hear it? Oh, I'd love to hear what he had to say. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Cleveland rocks, everybody. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Hello, everybody. On behalf of the entire Obama family, we want to welcome you here to the White House. Now, you got to listen, because when you hear like this, woo, you hear that? That's uh, Michelle, who's standing right next to him. She's, really? Yeah, she's going, woo. Listen. Oh, God. Right now, and 
small towns and big cities all across America. America. Folks are getting together in their backyards. They're raising flags, firing up grills, and enjoying time with family and with friends. And it's a tradition that we try to follow uh, here at the White House, uh, although I've got to say we've got a few more people here. Now, of course, uh, who is he going to have there? If you have to propagate. Biden. No, oh, Biden was not there. Oh. No, this was, because, uh, of course, 4th of July, we have to celebrate uh, by thanking uh, all of the kids that we've sent off to war uh, to die and get maimed. Of course, these aren't the dead ones uh, or the maimed ones. So he's got the whole lawn, and he's on the vestibule. He's up on the first floor. The whole lawn's military. I'm sorry? Military. All, all branches. Um, and he's up on the first floor. Kind of like a Mussolini type like Mussolini? thing. Mussolini? Is up on the first floor? He's up on the first floor shouting down and everyone's on the grass. Than most. Uh, and, and I cannot think of anybody I would rather celebrate with than all of you. The men and women of our military and our extraordinary military families. Yeah, that's why he's up on the first floor so it doesn't have to be down there with you schmucks. Now, I couldn't think. I'm going to fire up the grill on the roof. Yeah, really excited. So, so let me just check to see who we've got here. Now I listen, understand we've listen to Michelle. We've got some army here. Oh, I can't hear it. How now. about navy? Anyway, so that's what he. Hello, everybody! Happy Fourth of July! I love the Mussolini thing. It's it's weird. I've never <laughs> seen that. I mean, if you're doing a barbecue, actually, I should do that. I don't have a first floor. It'd be great. Hey, on the roof. hello, friends. Put a podium on the roof. <laughs> How you doing down there? <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. It was it was just weird. It was like, oh, okay. And uh, then he had like one from each branch up there, uh, from the Marines, the Navy, the Air Force. They were up the there Army. with him? Yeah. In the, on the, in the one podium. from each, yeah, one on from the, each. Uh, yeah, up, up on the vestibule, yeah, on, the on the first floor. Yeah, it was like it was the weirdest thing ever. I I, I never. I missed that. I mean, yeah, ooh. it's on the C-SPAN, <laughs> where I find all of my gems. All of the good stuff is there. And then uh, this is kind of funny. It kind of goes along with the military. This is an old clip from uh, President Obama, then uh, candidate Obama, and I'd never heard this. Maybe we missed it. Or I don't know, but it was just kind of interesting to listen to this. He's. Uh, He's my age, right? President Obama? Yeah. He's 48, 49. It's around that age. Then, you know, we're betraying uh, what I think is a solemn pact that we make with our veterans. Uh, you know, they, my father served in World War II, uh, and when he came home, he got the services that he needed. Uh, now, how does that work? How old was his father when he served in World War II? I don't know. Well, it, the numbers don't add up. We're talking about his stepfather. Even then. He's not talking about that guy in Kenya. Even then. How old is his, how old is his stepfather? Well, I don't know. I mean, so he had to be at least 18 in 1945 when he came home from World War II. Obama was... Oh. So uh, let me just do the numbers here for a second. I'm going to check the book of knowledge while you do that. Ooh, this is a very good... Uh, Consult the book of knowledge. I, 
I'm just saying, if he was 18 in 1945, and then he that's so, but he was probably more like 20. But okay, let's say 18. I mean, when did he have Obama? He wasn't his father. The real father's Barack Obama Senior. I, the Kenyan I guy. I understand that. I still want to know how old was his father when uh, when he became Obama's stepfather. My look, my grandfather, sure. My grandfather served in World War II uh, in the South Pacific, lieutenant commander. I think it's doable. I don't think so. I don't think what so. Is, what? I I find this sketchy. I mean, is it, so his stepfather was his, his uh, was old enough to be his grandfather? Really? You know what I'm saying? We need yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. We're looking at night. The war ends. Let's say 1940. You're in the war, so you have to be at least 20 or 18. Right. So today is 19 uh, 2011. So we're talking about 60, 71 years ago. Okay. Well, maybe I'm just seeing spooks. So the guy could be, you know, he could be 91 today and been okay. in World War One uh, two. Okay. And still be alive and okay. and be his father. That's possible. All right. Good. All right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you. I think no, you might I st- be on. I stand corrected. No, it's okay. Well, I know. I mean, it might be. You might be right. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it's bullcrap. I mean, he could be making it up. It wouldn't surprise me. Hey, I found the account executive job in Atlanta for public broadcasting. Uh, this is uh, not for NPR. I'm uh, sorry, I'm mistaken. I'm a PBS. Public broadcasting is similar. Yeah. Well, it's also funded by uh, by viewers like you. Uh, account executive, do you love public television? Marketing Ingenuity provides outsourced underwriting sales to public radio and television stations in 10 markets, recognized as a leader in generating corporate support for public broadcast stations. Market Ingenuity, this is a a third-party sales company, is committed to helping client stations better serve their community and helping underwriters to grow their business. Well, this is new. Underwriters need to grow their business. Meeting and exceeding our client station goals require our sales candidates to be exceptional, determined sales professionals who share our enthusiasm for uh, and vision for setting the standard of excellence and corporate support in public broadcasting. Daily life for an account executive in public television is similar to that of a salesperson in commercial broadcasting or local print media. An account executive is expected to make cold calls to decision makers at local and regional businesses, meet with them to understand their marketing needs, and develop proposals that offer marketing solutions to help them grow their business. I mean, please. So the the companies that you hear underwriting <laughs> your public stations, they're there to grow their business. Isn't that uh, advertising? Totally. Okay, I have to back up on the show. If looking at the extended family, Obama never had a stepfather. He had Charles T. Payne, his great uncle, who served in World War II. And why did he say his father if he was talking about his uncle, great uncle? Did he say, if he said his father, this is a, I think you're on to something here. Uh, just again, just, I think all these guys just banging it up. Let's listen to it again. Then, you know, we're betraying uh, what I think is a solemn pact that we make with our veterans. Uh, you know, they, My father served in World War II, uh, and when he came home, he got the services that he needed. Uh, there you go. No, you're on to something. This is bull crap. <laughs> what father? The guy from Kenya? I guess. 
The guy, the boyfriend that lived in Indonesia? I guess. I don't know. No, it's this guy. His yeah. great uncle, Charles Payne, greets his great, great niece by Michelle Obama off frame. His great nephew, great nephew. It's not even his initial. Barack Obama in 65th anniversary of D-Day. That's where he hung out with him. This is, no, no, this is, this is like Clinton. <laughs> they come from the same cloth. They're just kind of making stuff up, saying what they feel like. You know, there's no, that's why it needs to be teleprompted. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. He, will not find, he doesn't have a father that served in World War Two. There you go. But he, but his dad got taken. Maybe he has more dad. Maybe it was the other Obama who did have a dad who oh, served in World War Two, right? Second, the other Obama, the one that's got doesn't have the gray hair. Right. He has that big scar on his neck. Do you ever see that? Yeah, I yeah. did. Yeah. No one ever talks about that. No, oh, well, they don't want to. The implant went wrong. Uh, this is, I think, is uh, there's a, a message here, the telegraphing uh, message. Uh, the French army, and this is sent to me by uh, Baron uh, von Pelsmachers, so you know that he's all over stuff. <clears throat> French army will no longer drop weapons to the Libyan rebels. <clears throat> this is what uh, Defense Minister Gerard Longuet said on Tuesday. According to France's opposition, according to France, the opposition is now capable of supplying itself. Uh, dropping weapons to the Libyan rebels is no longer necessary, he says, during a press conference. There's a political organization independent of government in Libya, in Tripoli, and he explained the decision by the French government, uh, the droppings uh, we did in the last few weeks, but the regions can now function autonomously. I think this is basically a message saying they're giving up. They're no longer going to support these guys because these guys can't do the job. Uh, I think the, the protesters, which strangely enough turned into rebels, I think they were supposed to go in and chop off Gaddafi's head. They're not getting the job done. So they're like, screw you guys. I mean, you can't just say we're not dropping weapons. It's not about weapons, it's about ammunition. I think that, uh, I think something's going to happen very soon. Uh, something big that, that, that will, that will, uh, eliminate Gaddafi once and for all. And I think it's code. Well, they're, they're, they're in it. They've painted themselves into a corner on this whole Libya thing. Yeah, because you know, too many people that are there, like apparently like Gaddafi, that's underplayed. They don't want to talk about that. They thought it was going to be a no-brainer. You know, weeks not day or days not weeks, mm-hmm. and this has turned into just a a fiasco. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and uh, now they're screwed. They're going to have to assassinate the guy. And then make some stories up. I think the whole thing is going to be a creation that's going to be worth deconstructing more than a few times. But this this is not turning out for the for the best of for, for the, the Libyan people. Certainly not. No, <laughs> well, they, no, they got stuck in a. <laughs> no, I'd say the hey, Libyan. Welcome, welcome, yeah, welcome, to, welcome to the new world architecture. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. The, the, is that what she said? The the new new architecture, new architecture of the, of the world. world. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, President Obama is sending a delegation to the Republic of South Sudan to attend the ceremony marking the Declaration of Independence of the Republic of Southern Sudan. Now, we, this, of course, is uh, another country that will uh, uh, m- amazingly have this revolt of people because, you know, now that we have an independent Southern Sudan, by the way, where all the oil is, um, there's going to be a Twitter revolution, Facebook. It'll be part of the Arab Spring. George Clooney's already there with his satellite eye in the sky with his handler, you know, there to convince the public that it's okay that we're sending in blue helmets. Uh, four and a half thousand are about to uh, enter there from, I believe, was it Nigeria or I think it was 
I think it was Nigeria. Yeah, uh, so um, the president announced his presidential delegation to go celebrate the ceremony. Now, who would you take along for a, for a fun party? Oh, Biden. <laughs> no. Uh, I just keep missing with Oh, Biden. I'm no. guessing. And I know I'm going to hit it eventually. No, you got to take along uh, Colin Powell. Oh, please. Right. You got to take on uh, Johnny Carson, who's the secretary of state for the Bureau of African Affairs. Uh, you got to take along... Um, uh, Barry, Wa- uh, wait a minute. This is uh, hey, the Brooke Anderson, who is the chief of staff counsel for the national security staff. It's like all these military people. <laughs> General Carter Ham, United States <laughs> Africa Command. Why don't we just shove it in their face. It's like, hey, we got a whole bunch of military people coming to help you celebrate because we're going to take over your ass and take your oil and build the pipeline straight down to South Africa. Like, hello. Hello. So I wonder what's going on. And, you know, there's a bunch of oil workers striking Kazakhstan and Sting. Stink. Stink was going to do a concert, and he's <laughs> oh, really? he's backed off, and he's got a bunch of political commentary. I think this guy's going to get in the game. Stink? Oh, he's yeah. got to. He's got to. Yeah, I mean, you know. So should we just talk briefly? Because I have it's a distraction, but do we need to talk about uh, this uh, ha- phone hacking thing in the UK? It's been going on for years, by the way. And I think yeah, I know it goes back to two thousand. I think the earlier ones were two thousand five, two thousand seven. They've been doing it for a while. Yeah, so I think I think I kind of there's only a one way that I can look at what's going on there. For those of you who don't know, and it's it's like really it's been convoluted and complicated, and all of a sudden it came to the forefront, which I think I know why. Uh, but the in the background of all this, there's two things happening. Uh, one is uh, Murdoch, of course, uh, the uh, News Corp Empire. You know, elects presidents and prime ministers. You know, it's like they are the most powerful media conglomerate, I think, in the world. Um, and without a doubt, one of the most powerful ones in Gitmo Nation, uh, United Kingdom of Great Britain's. And um, so very powerful and uh, which makes people kind of afraid. And he has been uh, trying to acquire the remaining stake of B Sky B which is like a multi-billion dollar deal. And in order to acquire that, he needs governmental approval. So there's leverage there, right? Whoever's in charge uh, can make him richer. And so there's a lot of leverage. Uh, Conversely, the BBC, which is the government uh, ministry of truth, they don't want this guy uh, having so much power because, you know, they all could be out of a job because they are the ministry of truth. Go away, dude. Formerly Australian, now American. Uh, and they've been trying this for a long, long time. This, so when people talk about phone hacking, it's like really no big deal. Uh, there's two ways you can hack someone's voicemail. But, and I think voicemail is used in the UK a lot differently than it's used here. Do, do people still use voicemail in America? I don't think so. I uh, use it. I mean, I don't use it. <laughs> you never call me back when I leave oh, work. <laughs> well, it's because I don't use it. But, but the point is, but they get the Google voicemail now where they, they transcribe mm. it and send you an email. Right. Which is a laugh, laughable. Yeah, the translations are great. I get and every single person who says, hi, Adam, it always translates as, hi, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. Um, so, the, the, so this so-called hacking is very simple. If you know someone's mobile phone number... 
Um, and they probably have the standard either 0000 or 1111 or 4444 or 1234 because people, of course, rarely have changed their voicemail passwords. So you you work in tandem. So, John, if we were to hack someone's voicemail, like we're so sophisticated hackers, you'd call the voicemail, you'd call the line, and while it's ringing, I would call the line because now you've engaged it in a ring. Maybe the person picks up or not. And then I go to voicemail. When I hit the voicemail, I hit star or whatever it is, and I enter. You know, I try all the standard passcodes, and I'm in. And so this is, you know, happened to celebrities, celebrities, uh, notably Hugh Grant, but also it's you know uh, the news of the world has been doing this uh, to. All, this is how they got their news, you know, by hacking. And uh, you know, people would leave stupid, long, uh, information-sensitive messages. So they've been trying to hang up the Murdoch gang on this, and they finally, because no one cares about Hugh Grant. No one cares about hacking a politician. It's like, good. You know, it's like, great. Yeah, Hugh Grant, he likes trannies, and we know that. It's, it's like, who cares? Finally, they have something that they can leverage Murdoch on, is they find out that uh, these News of the World guys hacked into a, a, a young teenage, 13- or 12-year-old girl who was missing, she turns up dead six months later. They find her dead six months later. But they were in uh, her voicemail system, so they hack- hacked into her voicemail and uh, either inadvertently or purposely deleted voicemails, giving the parents, and I'm not sure how they found out, but giving the parents the hope that the child was still alive and checking her voicemails and deleting them. Now, the minute you touch the kids... Oh, well, then, of course, everyone goes insane. So it took them like three years to figure out how to finally nail down news of the world. And they and duh, it's like protect the children. Oh, I can't believe you are mean to a child or to a child's parents. So they finally have it. Um, and the news of the I think that uh, Murdoch, in order to get his deal, he had to do something. I guess instead of firing people who were responsible, he's now just shut down all of the news of the world, which is huge. I mean, he has to reopen it under a different name or whatever. But yeah, they, I think they sell like 14 million copies per uh, – it only comes out on yeah, Sundays. Yeah, no, it's huge, and he, it was the first thing he bought when he moved into the uh, London market. So this is about power, about political power and who's in charge, and at the end of the day, also about money. And it's, it's, it's a huge distraction, uh, but believe me, Murdoch runs a lot uh, in Gitmo yeah, Nation it was East. it a huge distraction, too. But, I appear, but it, what, the message that you get out of it, I think the whole thing is just ridiculous, but you do get the message that at least Murdoch's, from Murdoch and his staff's perspective, the, the satellite delivery of information is more valuable than the than paper. A huge newspaper operation that has 14 million daily sales. That, that, that tells you something right there. I think you're spot on because having political influence through your uh, sky broadcasting, that is, that is what it's about. It's, it's, it's not about money for this guy. It's about the power. So, so what we learned a lesson, which is that broadcast media is more powerful, at least from a perspective of a power-oriented guy, mm-hmm. than print media, which is, is, doesn't have any oomph left. It's, it's done. Even in, in the UK, which is surprising. I find that surprising because it's still very much a, a, a newspaper place. I guess that's just... He, you know what? Murdoch's a leader. He, he, knows, he knows what side his bread is buttered on. He knows. 
Yeah. Speaking of which, not a dummy. um, Having lived in Gitmo Nation East, you know uh, the eating habits of the the Brit. I would say I'm generalizing, but I've seen nothing but horrible. Uh, people don't cook at home anymore. You know, this is no longer a, a country that you know, the families are all busted apart. The place is a shambles. I hate to say it. In general, general, I think people listen to the show probably have their shit together. Um, so, what do most people do? They go to Tesco's or you know the gas station where you have all these mini marts. That's where people buy their food. And John, you've been in the UK. When you go into these uh, in these mini marts, you have these sandwiches. You know, like your ham and cheese, your cheese and onion, your chicken and bacon, and they're made fresh, right? Then they're in a in a triangle. Have you seen them? They're in a triangle. Oh, yeah, Preta Porte sells them all over the place, right? Too. It's and it's and and you look at it and it's like, hey, that looks pretty good. You know, it's like, yeah, this is this is good stuff. Um, and uh, and I've bought it, I've eaten it before. <laughs> so typically these uh, <laughs> typically these uh, these sandwiches, like you know, they're no more than what, like half a day old, I'd say. Well, they've now come up with new technology, uh, and these sandwiches will now be replaced with sandwiches that will have a shelf life of 14 days. Wow. <laughs> and they're doing it by uh, uh, removing the oxygen from the packaging and replacing it with nitrogen and carbon dioxide. Hmm. So that uh, your sandwiches, even though 14 days old, will still be edible and you'll love it. Edible's the word. <laughs> Play the clip I have of Cameron uh, giving one of those little things they do in uh, the parliament where they yell at each other on the knifing. What's changed? Well, what we have done is we've banned, we have banned the Tekriti Taliban, so we have taken action. But it is, as I, as I, as my right honourable friend, the, the Lord Chancellor will, will no, this is hastily test the other one. Oh, I'm so sorry. It, I, it was, it's not labelled Cameron. Here we go. Mr. Bob Blackman. Thank, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Twelve days ago, um, a young constituent of mine was the victim of a vicious knife attack. This last weekend, another 16-year-old young man was also the victim of a knife attack. Will my right honourable friend join with me in condemning this upsurge in gang-related violence and confirm those, those that carry knives will, be, will face a custodial sentence if apprehended? Well, what I've just, as, as I've just said to, to the honourable lady opposite, I think it is important we send a clear message about this. We are doing that with the new offence that carries a mandatory sentence. That is a signal to anyone who is contemplating carrying a knife. But I think we should be frank with ourselves in this House and in the country that purely looking at this from a criminal justice situation isn't the answer. We've got to ask ourselves why are so many young children joining gangs? Why aren't our families and communities doing more to keep them close and prevent the carrying of knives? And that is something that runs right across government and indeed across our society as well so they somebody, this was not the only one there was a bunch of people that came up with these knife stories well that's always been a big thing in the in the uk where here we have guns that uh, we want to get off the streets in the uk you, um, there's been studies you have there's more chance you get knifed in the uk than shot by a gun in the united states everyone's walking around with knives there I think they should let guns be legal, and then maybe they would put a stop to this. Yeah, this knife thing has to end. <laughs> Get the guns in. Get the guns no in. No more knives. This is ridiculous. <laughs> 
For one thing, when you fire a gun, it makes a very loud noise, and everybody in the area can hear it. Mm-hmm. And they would they would be alerted with a knife. It's a silent killer. I think these knives are the wrong. It's just not good. They should do, legalize we- other weapons. And also, you could defend yourself. A guy who pulls out a knife, you get you know you you're, you can pull out your gun and you can from a distance you can stop him. You can certainly intimidate him. Yeah, good idea, John. I'll uh, bring that up at the next uh, prime minister's question time. Blackwater has. I'm sorry, Z formerly known as Blackwater, <clears throat> has a new uh, uh, new director. And uh, the director is Jack Quinn, former lawyer to President Bill Clinton. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's the Shadow Puppet Theater. It's, these guys are great. These guys are these are fantastic. All right, I want to wind up. I, I don't have much else uh, other than uh, uh, I've been studying the text of uh, a new bill, which uh, we missed, introduced May 25th uh, in the year of our Lord, 2011, uh, H.R. 1981, which is Protecting Children from Internet Pornographers Act of 2011. And, of course, uh, we all agree, regardless of what's in this document, John, if you go out on the street and you say, should we have, what is your... If you ask anyone on the street, what do you think of uh, House Resolution 1981 protecting children from Internet Pornographers Act of 2011? Everyone will say it's great. Saves the children, right? The old classic. Yeah, they go back to the well. Yeah. Okay, so a couple things that, uh, and of course, the way this, you know, so here's this. I got this a little late uh, this morning. Actually, I didn't have time to look at it all, but I'm going to get into it. But literally, it has like Section 1956C7D Title 18 will be amended by inserting 1466A visual representation. You know, it's like, okay, so I got to go back and look at all these documents. Uh, But there's a couple things that jumped out at me. Um, Section 4H, retention of certain records. A provider of an electronic communication service or remote computing service shall retain for a period of at least 18 months the temporarily assigned network address the service assigns to each account which is uh, quite overbearing, I would say, for ISPs. You now have to uh, uh, keep records for 18 months of a temporarily assigned IP address, which I guess will bind it to a MAC address of, uh, of the computer, which is tough. Uh, but then here's the stuff they start slipping in. Uh, section 8D1, uh, as used in this section, the term course of conduct means a series of acts over a time, however short, indicating a continuity or purpose. Uh, so this is not about uh, pornography. This is about harassment or harassment. The term harassment means a serious act or course of conduct directed at a specific person that I, or one, causes substantial emotional distress in person and two, serves no legitimate purpose. So this is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for my column today, Adam. Oh, I just wrote your column. Let me give you a little more. The term intimidation means a serious act or course of conduct directed at a specific person that, number one, causes fear or apprehension apprehension in such person. Well, then and, the TSA should be arrested. <laughs> or serves no legitimate purpose. Uh, again. <laughs> so, so under the guise of save the children from pornography, you will no longer be able to harass someone if it has no legitimate purpose. I guess if it's legitimate, you can. 
But if I cause substantial emotional distress, like <laughs> you hurt my feelings, <laughs> like the uh, hello listeners within the sound of my voice, if I've caused you any emotional distress today for no legitimate reason, you can have me locked up. It is. I it is just, that. I'll simple. never talk about Clinton again. It is that simple. Say something. We're doomed. Get Disgusting. Your, get your podcast license today. What are you, you going to write this for? PC Mag? You know, so we can yeah, write it for? I'm going to write it right as soon as the show's over. Will you give me a plug? Hello, is this thing on? <laughs> hello, hello. Is this thing on? Hello, hello. <laughs> yeah, thanks, John. I really appreciate it. Uh, let me see. Coming up on the, the No Agenda stream as uh, we continue. Let me see what is uh, the new entries here. Uh, Liberty in Exile is pretty cool. They just uh, put up a new show, so we'll make sure we get Liberty in Exile on. No Agenda stream. I, I, I'm sorry? I have a, a mention for people who watch a, a, a video. It's been, it gets on TV once in a while. A couple of things I want to just say here at the end. Uh, for our our group that does our art and keeps track of the videos people should watch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie called Existence. No. E-X with a capital X and I-S-T-E-N with a capital Z. A hilarious movie about uh, video games. It was done in 1999. Never heard of it before. It's definitely worth... Is it uh, on uh, Netflix or something like that? It might be. It's okay. worth tracking down. It's it's a little gory, but it's worth tracking down. It's quite quite amusing. And people by there should also know about a website that I've been using to uh, track down movies like this. Uh, it's called LocateTV.com. Very useful. And does that have uh, BitTorrents and the illegal stuff? No, no. Or, LocateTV uh... is a legitimate site that essentially you plug in stuff. And if it's going to be playing on Dish Network or, re- or uh, any of the TV stations, networks, cable, anything, over the next couple of weeks, it'll tell you where and when, and you can set your DVR. Awesomeness. Very nice. Sounds like a winner. Uh, so uh, thanks again, everyone, for your support. Uh, and, and nice to see new donors coming in. Uh, continue that support. Uh, continue uh, helping us keep the program running uh, so we don't have to, uh, well, I mean, I'm already moving to get back my Amazon so money. we don't have to get fired by the BBC. <laughs> or ITV. Nor Murdoch, for that reason. Whatever he owns. Advertising. Coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center here in Gitmo Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California, where I'm going to go feel, uh, feel up Miss Mickey, make sure she's not hiding any explosives. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where it's always a nice day, I'm John C. Dvorak. Adios, mofos. We'll talk to you again on Sunday, right here on the No Agenda Show. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And you can always find Twitter at...